I <laughs> love the Resident Evil movies. They're terrible. They don't make any <laughs> sense. I just have a fascination. Like, I, I, I love them. Like, anytime Isn't it comes wild? on, I don't know what it is. Like, it's, it's such nonsense because they had this great story from the games, and they're just like, nah, we're just going to make shit Tip up. It. Not, like, just do the, do the thing. It's right there. Mm. Movies suck, but I love them. <laughs> I thought about one way to start it. There was this uh, article from LA Weekly like years ago by Nick yeah. Pinkerton. Oh, wow. I've got a few paragraphs here. It's short paragraphs, but this is kind of like a, my thesis of how I feel about uh, Paul W.S. Anderson and his uh, filmography. Devoid of pretense and bloviation, cutting to the bone by today's standards, he has yet to make a film that has broke the two-hour mark. He is a devoted practitioner of pulp for pulp's sake. His zombies and aliens are not metaphorical stand-ins for anything. They are zombies and aliens. His <laughs> films are exactly what meets the eye. Staple genre work of the sort that is usually written off. Though if these staples are so easy to whip up, it's worth wondering why so few people do them properly. Like buildings <laughs> and prostitutes, genre directors only become respectable with age. Dismissed even by the studios that profit from them, Anderson's films do not tend to screen for critics, preventing any serious pre-intense analysis of their visual schemata, and we'll have to wait decades for any self-respecting rep house to stage a retrospective. So I uh, agree with every uh, uh, word of that of those uh, of that sentiment. Um, Man, yeah, I think uh, it's a little bit like um, John Carpenter has a quote too to the effect of, "You know, in the U.S., I'm a bum, and in Europe, I'm an artist." You know, so I think right. Paul Anderson falls and I think you see a lot of uh, Carpenter influence and stuff too it's like very stripped down narrative uh usually dealing with uh similar plot devices of like siege or uh or escape kind of kind of mm -hmm. things Time to boogie, and this time we brought new paratroopers Josh Skorsky and Joe Larson flying to you live from Valverde. I'm your master spy, Soli. Welcome, Josh. Welcome, welcome, thank Joe. you, <laughs> thank and you, cup of Joe. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we got filmmaker himself, Dylan Reynolds. Hello, hello, you might Thanks know for him having from... me on again. Yep, we had. Your nipples and palm tree co-star Sadie Katz on last year. That was fun. Oh, great! What would you? What was the topic for that? I'll just honoring her place as a B movie screen queen. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, 420 Massacre. It can be seen on Showtime, various other platforms, and Chainlink is on Tubi. And uh, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks. Yeah, I think all my movies are on Tubi. So it's Chainlink, Nipples and Palm Trees, and 420 all Channel Massacre. Films. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, yeah, Sadie Katz is awesome. So uh, she's she's a she's a lively person. I'm sure she made for a fun interview. Great so. sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's cool. 
Oh man, so off air we were just getting all warmed up, and then we remembered. Oh yeah, we still got to actually talk about the love him or hate him blockbuster filmmaker Paul W S Anderson. Ooh, the infamous. Right. Mm-hmm. A lot of opinions. <laughs> a lot of opinions on this this director. Absolutely. Uh, he he's kind of in that vein, kind of like put him on. You know, some people were just putting him on the same list as you, Ball. I wouldn't go that far. He's kind of no, more no, in that range. No uh, <laughs> he's more of the Michael Bay, Rennie Harlan, Stephen Hopkins guy. He's a gun for hire, known for doing a lot of frills and chills. <laughs> just, well, should we both. get it out? Should we get it out of the way off the top? Like whether Ooh. or not everyone likes personally likes his films i wouldn't say like him because we can't really judge his character because he you Go know ahead. you don't see much but I don't know. <laughs> but i mean like i personally have to say like i really enjoy a lot of his movies and i i think like like you said i'm not i'm not like a michael bay type guy so like like you said it's very like well, that's uh, what i love too is everyone assumes you either like this or that and it's like no i Half the time, people don't even look at who helmed the damn thing or even know how it works or what directing even means versus editing versus producing and writing. <laughs> sure, sure. It, well, I'm getting... it's, it's just a mixed bag. And that's kind of what most of these guys are. Everyone goes, why do they keep, you know, being hired? It's like, because their movies make money. People don't on it. Even studios honestly don't care about reviews. <laughs> oh sure just look at the sonic the hedgehog initial testing where they ignored capcom and company until finally the internet said fuck this movie we will not go see it <laughs> <laughs> well i have to say too like i had it like a certain idea of what he was like until i started you know obviously in preparation for this podcast started look, like watching interviews with him and i don't mm-hmm. think i've honestly ever seen him like on tape before i've just seen the movies i have to say like yes i went in like on michael bay like a lot of those other directors you um mentioned like having an assumption of what he was like like he was just after basically recreating the same type of movie (laughs) but with a different plot and then after hearing him talk i'm like oh he does have some depth like i mean this is my personal opinion like i'm not saying he's Mm -hmm. like um high art but (laughs) He basically just like self references himself as basically like uh, in touch with his inner thirteen year old boy. Like he's the first one that's to even I say love that. that. Like, I in love the interview that. that I watched, yeah, he's <laughs> just, like than of any course. Blog post is going to say about him, which will often be a generic. I love him. Oh, I hate him. You know, mm-hmm. like you gave me just pretty much a rundown. He's a thirteen year old in an adult body. <laughs> married you to play one with of the most toys. <laughs> married to one of the most beautiful women on this earth which we can get into because joe has a <laughs> very soft spot for but, yeah. but but joe i mean sorry i didn't mean American to Milizovic. yeah <laughs> <laughs> best movie is uh zoolander i guess i don't know <laughs> but it is her best movie development <laughs> i i would say fifth element but That's i i liked story. her all the way back to cuffs with Christian Slater. Oh, now we're, now we're yeah. veering way off. Yeah. And shout out to Dazed and Confused, even though she doesn't oh, right. say anything. She just Blue sings. Lagoon 2, which is <laughs> on YouTube. Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. We could really go down a rabbit hole with Mila Jones. Yeah, it's all good. Okay. I'm putting, I'm picking the yeah. plunger out. I'm stopping this. Right. Right. It's a Joe. When did you venture down the rabbit hole? Well, I feel for the longest time I fell into that very negative connotation of him because back in the early days of it was easy. Yeah. Good pressure. Yeah. Entertainment Weekly gave it enough. 
I should hate it too. Well, in the early days of <laughs> online film criticism, there was Ain't It Cool News, and I vividly, oh, yeah. I vividly remember scored it. <laughs> yeah, like they tore apart Soldier so much, ba- mostly based on like they had read the original script before all the issues with the film behind the scenes, uh, right? and then from that point on. Like, I just fell into that, like, oh, yeah, well, the internet says he's bad. And then, you know, the Resident Evil movies, not like the Resident Evil games, so I'm snobby about that. And Alien vs. Predator movies, not <laughs> the comic they made in 1990. So I feel it wasn't until, Josh, really, I think you changed my perception, because you were so into the Resident Evil series <laughs> that I really didn't give a second thought to. I'm like, you know what, now, I appreciate, I may not like every movie of his, but I appreciate him now as a real solid modern B-movie filmmaker. Uh yeah. And honestly, the most charming thing I found out about him was uh, when reading about Pompeii, which I had no idea even existed before <laughs> I was researching this. Uh, it I'm I'm an archivist in my uh, other non-podcast job. So I was very charmed by apparently like during the production of that movie or pre-production, he got super into being historically accurate and got super nerdy about the history of Pompeii. I'm like, I like that when... It's like, yeah, you're like you're not just this work for hire. You come on, you don't care about it, and you go and whatever. It's like, oh, you actually cared about this one. Absolutely. Like, so he's a trash auteur, I think, is how we can uh, describe Paul Anderson. <laughs> um, yeah, I wrote down some things of what. What do you think of a Paul Anderson movie? A style over substance, uh, dark corridors, confined spaces, techno or new metal. Uh, I, I <laughs> techno, yeah, 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 yeah. So electronic music, electro that, rock. That's not nine inch nails. <laughs> Some new metal because he did like Marilyn Manson and uh, yeah. what was that Resident Evil? I was I was looking at my Resident Evil disc and like one of the special features was a Slipknot music video. I'm like, oh, oh there okay. you go. <laughs> Welcome early to emo as yeah. emo kids. <laughs> um, use of a uh, slow motion, um, uh, story and character development not so much in favor of style. Use of archetypes and tropes instead of character development. Uh, <laughs> stripped down narrative we talked about. Um, besides Carpenter, there's, um, especially the first two Alien movies, I think basically he's kind of remaking yeah. Alien a lot in his career. Well, that's what I <laughs> noticed aliens. in every interview. He noted how he was a mega, mega fan of the first two Aliens, Die Hard, and Blade Runner, which is so wild because he did the Blade Runner spinoff, Soldier. Yeah, I was uh, well, I was thinking how we could uh, get to it. Maybe we could go through his filmography, but I would yeah, suggest yeah. Um, we'll circle around. Maybe it's not good to put your movie next to, <laughs> the, you know, one of the greatest films. Of it's, all, it's so hard to <laughs> even just Especially how do we even start soldier. this conversation without rupturing some feathers? Right. Um, but, you know, I think you could also see the uh, Euro influence of uh, Luc Besson kind of kind of crime. Because Euro of in it. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um so ridley scott um his cgi in his movies are usually like on an objective level they're bad uh <laughs> but i think there's so much of it and so like again pulpy it almost becomes like pop art in my opinion especially when kinda. you get into some of the resident later resident evil sequels or pompeii is especially like mm-hmm. uh kind of beautiful in like the in the bad quote unquote bad cgi at least it's not um you Sci-fi know cooking right it's like it's like maybe a couple steps up from an asylum movie but still it's kind of cool because there's so much of it i guess you know the way way he does it yeah um, it's, it makes you wonder if you just need an editor to read him in or if it's he was always going to be a cult filmmaker or and it was interesting because we had video dropbox on for the earlier segment and they were noting how he seems to legit uh kind of just 
not really think too highly of himself to where he's just like he just wants to do just popcorn but he also doesn't look at any reviews so there is no really improving i think it's just he wants to do movies with his wife <laughs> yeah i mean there, there's something to say for that but he's like um <laughs> i think he's more it's interesting he, i think he's called himself a populist filmmaker but some of his movies get more uh, almost surreal or experimental, like especially Very like uh, some of the Resident Evil sequels, where it's like there's no really discernible plot. It kind of has like a but like a uh, and then that happened and then this yeah <laughs> right. It's just, there's this dream sequence, but oh, this doesn't matter because they were a clone anyways, and you know it's just like what, what's going on. So <laughs> it's interesting. It was uh, there's a YouTuber uh, Patrick William Williams uh, who recently did a video about vibe movies where he's talking about Tenet uh and then you know different michael mann ones uh what are some of the other examples you know like drive and, look for uh, the signature of the filmmaker right but it, so his uh opinion about vibe movies it's like it's not so much about plot or character it's like um it's the, the experience the cinematic experience and mm. so his interests aren't so much in um in plot <laughs> but no. in uh you know visuals and and, and uh a sense of uh, spectacle yeah yeah um miss him scene or whatever you know there you go <laughs> pretentious you can so have... he's 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 a he's a pulpy genre lowbrow filmmaker but yeah he i think he injects a lot of artistic uh you know <laughs> interest in it he's a richard fleischer kind of guy erwin allen i guess kind versus a richard donner andrew davis kind who wants both the spectacle and the crowd pleasing so i don't know it's just yeah, I mean, I don't know if you can, I mean, obviously you can hire Paul W.S. Anderson to, uh, you can hire him, but his movies are very distinctive, I think. So I think... Uh, he remade um, a Roger Corbett production, for God's sakes, you know? <laughs> right, but he made that very, uh, it was like a video game, like Resident Evil. It has that right. same vibe, More like you the know? running man. <laughs> but I, I will say that uh, uh, with Death Race and uh, his first movie, Shopping, it feels like he could actually... I would actually say I would hire him to make a Fast and Furious movie. Maybe not like one a, now, but a like car maybe racing movie. <laughs> maybe before part five or something like that. Because it's got uh it seems like he's got the like Walter you know, Hill's the driver kind of just uh have an ex con on the run driving a car. <laughs> right, right. Um let's see, uh what else they I mean, he, he does a lot of striking like framing and compositions, which is also like I think leans into like uh it's not sepia tone, but it's pretty close yeah like almost like I, there's a lot of center framing a lot of like characters in the center frame but it does it in like almost a uh and a widescreen kind of like, almost, like almost like classical paintings i know it's weird to say that but i feel like he's uh he's got a good eye uh instead of hectic edits back and forth yeah except for like one movie which i think we'll get to for the most part is <laughs> is his editing is very clean his action scenes and i think it helps him give it impact um and there's all the slow motion stuff, so he really draws out like the the one punch, and then with the thing, and the way he, uh, uh, you know, a little bit. I think, um, uh, you know, there's obviously some John Woo or Asian cinema, Hong Kong cinema uh, with his action sequences. Uh, he's definitely a John Woo junkie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's. Um, but uh, but I think it kind of gives those hits impact and stuff. So the Paul Anderson movies sometimes I like you're watching you know, whatever, Transformers or Bourne movie, you know, it's like, uh, you know, so you do that. But like when I'm watching a Paul W. Anderson movie, I'd be like, ooh, ooh, you know, I get, I get more of those reactions. Mortal Kombat gave him training, I guess, because right. I was looking at some trivia on that, and it seems like they knew how they wanted to stage the fight scenes. He was just more worried about where do I put the effects shots, 
because <laughs> this guy in the green screen suit is going to become Goru or Raiden electrical version, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, well, I was thinking we could uh, uh, get to that. Maybe we could go over his filmography like a movie at a time, like movies he's sure. directed. Um, uh, if I could another just, thing I want to say, he's he maybe doesn't get enough for, credit. Okay, just, just one minute. I, I, yeah. I got to put my Kirkadium glasses on. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if you know what those are. No, I know. Okay, so those block out uh, junk light. Oh, okay. It's advisable Dude. when it's late at night. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Go for right it. Back. Promise. Yep. <laughs> There we go. Sorry about that. Oh, cool. You I want to shut off uh, my lights or anything? Or oh, yeah. oh no, no, you're you're fine. Like okay. all this does is just like when you do it, it just basically takes out the light impacting your eyes because sometimes it can confuse your brain, and that's why some people get insomnia. Oh, gotcha. By okay. Dave Asprey, the health you're, guru guy. Anyway, <laughs> you're, you're Pacino oh, in, uh, in the <laughs> insomnia. <laughs> hoo -ha. There you hoo -ha. go. <laughs> um, another thing I wanted to. Uh, uh, touch on just I've, I've been going kind of like the 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 major uh identifiable things about paul ws anderson movies he also is very um a lot of diverse casting uh a lot of like uh he's got a black female lead in aliens versus predator he's got an asian lead effectively in mortal combat he's an equal um, opportunist yeah yeah and then of course all the 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 badass female mila jovovich uh action thing i think sometimes i think those get identified as like oh they're like feminist action movies like no nah, it's uh post matrix hot chicken leather outfit slow motion shooting guns it's not you know but right um but still he was uh he's a purveyor of that before he has ordered far just fresh off the mummy hey instead of fighting mummies why don't you kill, kill zombies with mila and company right <laughs> there you go exactly uh and then also combining genres he does a lot you know kind of mixing of genres um, and who would have thought that when you grow up being a mega fan of the valverde saga alien and Blade Runner, and you get to do an installment for either one. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that because I'm not sure. Okay, if you want to just jump into Soldier right now, it seems yeah, it sounds no, like yeah, like... no, we're already <laughs> kind of over the place. It's all good. Right. Um, uh, but um, you 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 hit some strides on how he has kind of clean choreography, mm -hmm. and he kind of just wants the movie to just get done on time. He's making you a happy meal. Yeah, another thing he doesn't. Uh, I don't think any of his movies have been over a hundred million dollar budget, so they're usually. Yeah, kind of what people whine about today. They, there's not that mid-budget movie or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> where like the fifty million dollar you know action movie that does what it does theatrically, but is probably has more of a life on um, you know VOD and it's DVD. Like and Charles Band with Full Moon minus the comedy. <laughs> he might be one of the last uh, last guys we have of that. The the B movie, you know, right? Uh, Stephen Hopkins does TV. Renee Harlan does direct a video. Anthony mm -hmm. Hickox. Is kind of yeah. semi-retired after Warlock 2 and Hellraiser 3, so yeah, this is the B-movie right. guys, and so then you got Michael Bay, but now he's doing serious war movies, and so... Yeah, well, who, who knows, like, maybe the way things have been changing with um, um, with theatrical and, you know, the bigger superhero things are failing, so maybe Anton we do Fuqua, more of these lower-budget horror I know things. He'll do, like, two Netflix movies, then two mainstream theatrical movies. It seems like Everyone can have a piece of the pie now. <laughs> right, right. He reminds me of kind of Gareth Edwards. You know, you do mm. a Godzilla movie and a Star Wars spinoff while doing your own original sci-fi stuff. 
Uh, yeah. no, maybe Neil Blomkamp in a way, uh, although maybe less of the creativity, but then Jonathan Liebsman is another one. You know, you work for Michael Bay doing New Texas Chainsaw Ninja Turtles, then you do your own thing with stuff like uh, the Halo TV show, The Killing Room, oh, yeah. Darkness Falls, and Battle LA. So yeah, I mean, I none of these guys are going to they're almost like some of the guys who would go in between doing something for like an infamous studio like Canon Films or Franchise Pictures, as well as a more just low-key kind of movie. It's like the drive-ins might have left us, but the whole mentality never left us. You know, Roger Carmen might be direct video now, but his mentality is still pretty much at focus with all these B C D listers. You know? Oh yeah. Well, and as we like get into some of the films, like one of the things I took away again from the interviews and even just like his filmography is he doesn't ever seem like someone who is just offered a check. I mean, maybe this is the perception, like here's a lot of money. Will you make yeah. this movie? It seems like he, of, of course, that's a bonus, but he does come off as seeming intentional on what he's doing. I mean, because if he wasn't, he would have made Mortal Kombat Annihilation, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if that was offered to him, but I'm assuming, like, oh, again, sure. <laughs> he would have, he would have, you know, just because, well, I mean, we'll get into it again, but I don't know. Mortal Kombat was a hit, wasn't it? I oh, mean, it was oh, a yeah. mega hit. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought. New Line Cinema and Golden Harvest wanted to cash in on their Ninja Turtles and Free Ninjas yeah. <laughs> mentality. So he came in at the right scoop. Another thing with Paul Anderson, like, again, the whole. He's a bum in the U.S., but uh, his his movies apparently uh, the Resident Evils are more popular Sony than Star him. Wars out in, you know, <laughs> in China. Apparently, <laughs> like was it? I, I think I was reading like uh, Resident Evil last chapter outgrows Solo and Rogue One or something like that. That's like, insane! Whoa. <laughs> so he's um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I think I, I do agree. I think he's uh, he's a little underappreciated. I do think there will be a time where people have more retrospectives because. It is such a singular style that he that he has um i think he you wants know, to keep you occupied the... but he doesn't want to blow the roof off the house exactly <laughs> right usually he's like it lumped into the worst director of uva bowl and uh Michael yeah Bates. but i think he's got a little bit more uh artistic merit than, than that it um, seems I like thought. people will still love him just for event horizon and Mortal Kombat alone, but yeah, it's true. I, I do see every once in a while people will throw out shopping, death race, and then admit that they like Resident Evil in a trashy Roger Corman way. So it's like, well, take well, it's the, well yeah, two of the things. Well, I, I, another thing I want to say, like, you know, usually he's considered a worst director, but real recognize real because uh, I think James Cameron says uh, Resident Evil's one of his guilty pleasures. Um, <laughs> there you I, go. Though I think. Uh, so James Cameron said Resident Evil is one of his guilty pleasures, but I bet he's meaning he watched one of the sequels because the sequels, um, uh, especially Retribution and the one before that, what was it? It was uh, Afterlife. That was it. Afterlife. So apparently they shot those with the uh, cameras he effectively invented for Avatar, the 3D cameras. So I bet you he watched one of the sequels and that, but he doesn't know what the fuck, you know, he was watching necessarily. He's like, oh, Resident Evil, you know, but it was, there you go. <laughs> anyways. And then, um, uh, Tarantino said uh, Three Musketeers was uh, one of his favorite that. movies of that year. So, as I said, I think, and as a, you know, whatever, I, I made some indie movies, but I could appreciate the stuff he does. I could see the the skill in there. And um, there's some room for everybody. Yeah. And even, I, you know, I haven't done any 
action sequences, especially at his level or anyone else's level, but he's done some <laughs> fight scenes and stuff like that. And they're they're the most complicated things to film, man. You gotta like they you really have to are. do every angle, you have to you have to block no it out. It's, it's the most director specific. And which is interesting because usually like the Academy Awards will honor, you know, somebody who made a good drama or something like that. You know, I think but I think more of a director's skill comes into actually action, you know, because it's uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty focused. You got to see how the how it's going and all edit together. And, you know, I'll actually take him over Roland Emmerich, who just seems to just want to ape sci-fi channel, but not to the point where. Like the tone is so inconsistent, you don't even know how to follow the movie anymore. Yeah, I mean, Roland Emmerich obviously has his place. Like, uh, uh, yeah, 2012 is probably his masterpiece. You know, it's just yeah, so Unisol, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned the B movie action directors like Isaac Florentine and Jesse B. Johnson now. So yeah, they have a place too. They're at your Redbox and Netflix store. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I Having think uh, spy action movies and. I love all those guys, and up to a certain point, John Carpenter was uh, lumped in there. You know, I don't think he had much respect outside of the first Halloween until you know. Yeah, they live. The internet. I don't age. know anyone who hates they live now. Right, right. So I'll do a brief layering of his entire resume, which I've actually been fortunate enough to see, and we can kind of get into it just bit by bit. Uh, but yeah, so he formed his production company with his business partner Jeremy Bolt. And they formed Impact Pictures. He's from the UK. Many interviews I'm sure you might have seen. He noted that a lot of his inspirations growing up were movies like The First Two Aliens, Die Hard, and Blade Runner. Makes sense, kind of given. Yeah, that shows. Style most yeah. Of <laughs> In 94, he debuted with Shopping, a heist thriller distributed on IFC Channel and Polygram that starred Jude Lodge, Sadie Frost, and Sean Bean. 95, he, he made video game movies cool with the cult first iteration of new line cinema's mortal Kombat, followed it up with the trapped in space terror movie event horizon he adapted the unofficial blade runner sequel soldier and then pretty much became renowned for adapting the dark horse comic alien versus predator which had an unrated version and all six of the initial resident evil movies where he later married his lead star mila jovovich he recreated roger corman's death race in 2008 as well as came up with the story for the free direct-to-video sequels for Universal, and those did big business. He did a remake of The Free Musketeers in 2011, also with his wife and various other people, including Orlando Bloom, Luke Evans, and the late Ray Stevenson. Followed up in 2014 with the sword and sandal slash disaster romance Pompeii, which starred Carrie Ann Moss, Jessica Lucas, Jon Snow himself, Kit Harington, <laughs> and... Evil Jared Harris and Kiefer Sutherland. He recently, outside of finishing up the Resident Evil franchise and producing the reboot, Welcome to Raccoon City, also helmed the video game adaptation Monster Hunter by Capcom, which also again starred his spouse. He produced the 2005 terror movie with Sean Bean and Maria Bello called The Dark. He also produced the video game adaptation Dead or Alive. That's right. (laughs) Starring everyone's favorite B-movie actor, Eric Roberts. And then he returned to Event Horizon territory by also producing the rather similar uh, space flick Pandorum, as well as helming the one-season YouTube Red original Origin. Initially, he had also directed the Fox TV movie The Sight, as well as 
made a killing uh, initially directing five episodes of the British crime show El Cid, which starred a then unknown Alfred Molina. So we got a very crazy bag here. (laughs) Yeah, very robust. I had no idea he did video game commercials also. He did one for Doom Free as well as a Volkswagen ad in 2014. So oh cool. I, I'm kind of like you guys. I I, I kind of knew he was an infamous guy, but I just wasn't I wasn't jumping on the hate train just yet. Uh like other people. I was very indifferent, you know. I I actually was kind of disappointed when I saw Mortal Kombat on TV one lazy day on CW back in the day, but I, I came around to it. I think my in- intro to him before I saw Soldier, which I've also come around to, well, we'll get to that in a minute. I, I think my main intro was actually seeing AVP when it first hit DVD. And that was actually my intro to the whole Alien and Predator franchise. I knew about them. I just, you know, I had strict parenting. I had good parents, I guess. Oh. <laughs> they weren't allowed to see movies unless they were modified in some way on TV, clean flicks, you know, just, or just with special permission, like it's Monty Python, that'll fly, you know. <laughs> I'm kind of like with you guys. He is a very interesting just guy who I'm glad that you spoke on how he actually speaks. I don't think I've actually heard him spoke. And if I had it went one year out the other, I was just kind of indifferent. I was just like, hey, he seems like a nice guy. He's just, again, not everyone has to be Spielberg or Scorsese. And just because your movies are scored horrendously also doesn't mean <laughs> Roger Corman either. You know, <laughs> the Razzies, I think, given how uninspired and very mean-natured and contrarian they've become in recent years i kind of just i stopped just taking everything with that initial foreshadowing i mean i mostly check out movies by studios such as universal and lionsgate so i mean i i think once you realize how the market really works with foreign investors and how you know it can be scored a 97 there's still going to be people who hate the newest uh, Mission Impossible or Fast and Furious. It doesn't matter. It's not an end-all, be-all of everything. <laughs> yeah, it's a business, and if you know, gets you money to do the next film, then there you go. Totally. He's a very cyberpunkish kind of guy, too. Everyone seems to vary on him. I see people who now even will talk about the Resident Evil movies joking that they're very trashy amusing. So, I mean... I'll admit, yeah. I saw the fifth one, I think, in theaters just because we were out of any movies to watch. And I just went with some <laughs> random pals after a study group and just said, screw it. And it was just so funny because my sister wanted to describe it uh, to my granddad. I'm like, no, stop. He <laughs> only watches one movies. He's not going to know what I'm talking about. And then what's funny is she somehow got the wrong notion that I'm a big fan. I'm like, Meredith, there's plenty of stuff I watch that I'm not a fan of. Because <laughs> it's just because it's on. You know, you might as well watch it because it's free versus if it's on a plane or you know just, the or hardest just to see it just to know what everyone else is talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. the hardest part about being a resident evil film fan meaning like this original they're out know, there there's plenty of people who never double trilogy the yeah. it, it was every time i went to the movie theater i knew i had to endure the drone of people that were in the audience that would be like oh this movie is so terrible i hate it so much and then it, inevitably they they'd be back like for the next one because they were like well i guess i'm gonna have to see the next one it's like no one is twisting your arm to see you like these you just won't admit it i'm it's- glad you brought that up i mean i had to unfriend a lot of snobby horror podcasts who i mean 
they didn't even they they seem to be the closed-minded type who think every movie goes into just one genre and it's like no these are action sci-fi horror movies yeah yeah but it's not scary well not every horror movie has to be scary yeah it's not exciting well it, action doesn't always necessarily need to be exciting either it just it just means there was a shootout or explosion but yeah i i think it was around that time when i just veered away from horror after a while i would see people who would hate watch stuff and i'm like I don't have time to hate watch anymore. I'll watch a laughable, like bad cop show or horror anthology once in a while. But I mean, once again, no one told you, you must go to the theater to endure <laughs> an Elm Street remake or again, the inevitable billionth final destination or Jason movie. And when Saw came around, I definitely took a break until Matt Flanagan came around and reignited my interest in the genre. And same thing with action. I mean, I, I grew out of it when Fast and Furious took over. I was just like, uh, give me an Indiana Jones or Die Hard type blockbuster where I love the character. There's authentic stunts and I find the villain to be very clever, but this ain't it. Cars, no thank you. It just doesn't do anything for me. So he's coming into that weird spiral where there's all kinds of just cult blockbusters. There's Underworld, there's The Mummy, and then there's more mainstream stuff like Born Identity and uh Ram Stallone is going back in and in and again and creating new franchises and revisiting his old ones. So I'm just was like at that point, I was just like, hey, of course he exists. There can be something for everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you, Joe, what was your first movie you saw by him? Oh, Mortal Kombat, definitely. Oh, yeah, same. Okay. Same train. for me. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and to compare him to Yuval, like we were talking about earlier, is like why would you want to do that? Yuval, when you see a Yuval movie, it seems like he's popular because of his hot takes on cinema. And I'm like, well, but he's saying stuff we already know, how investors can make a bid for a best picture or studios and producers and directors are not necessarily crazy about everything to do. But, you know, Yuval, when I watch his movies, his music hurts my ears. It looks like a student film. <laughs> and... I, it really is the definition of unwatchable. Like, I don't, I can't even laugh at it. Like, to laugh at it, like, no, this is not even mystery science theater level. This is like negative 50, you know, <laughs> out of a five star. Just, you can't even call it, this is an insult to even direct video standards, you know? So I'm just like, but for a guy it's... who doesn't respect anyone who got, who didn't have a film degree and just relied on German tax cuts to make his bill, and it's like, can't say, you know, at least Anderson, Rennie Harlan, and Michael Bay all went to film school. Now, I'm not crazy <laughs> about Rennie Harlan. I, 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 he's a hit and miss guy for me. I, I think he got lucky because of Die Hard 2 and Deep Blue Sea. But my issue with his movies is he's just kind of tone deaf half the time, very oblivious to what he's making. Uh, but Michael Bay, you know, it just, you know, he was part of the Jerry Bruckheimer house and then he kind of became infamous because. People weren't liking his Transformers movies, but so that's the thing. Everyone's becoming a franchise director at this point. And it's just interesting. Uh, I've talked to actually Tony Giglio, who had done a lot of other just movies for that were limited releases or straight to streaming and TV. Uh, and he did some second unit directing on the Death Race sequels. And oh. uh, he noted how just the process is getting easier and Anyone will basically hire you just again, based on who you know. You know, mm. uh, Joel Silver will likely produce just as many just obscure limited releases as he will the next Lethal Weapon type director that he has his vision set on. So it's just interesting how 
and he's another guy who has left the industry because he became a hard ass no one wanted to work with him so it's just <laughs> it's interesting how when we're in a post superhero and clickbait world <laughs> even oscar bait at this rate he's oblivious to snobbery which i must commend him for i must commend anyone for that i appreciate it because even with the video game uh, adaptations, while not everyone might be happy with the end product because they wanted exactly carbon copy of the video game, you can tell again from his video, um, his interviews that I found online that he is a video gamer. Like he he has played the the um, not franchises, but the, but the series, and like he he's not just some asshole walking in being like yeah oh there's this zombie franchise that i'm gonna just make into a movie because he had even said like one of the things that people would always say to him back in 95 was like how on earth are you <laughs> going to adapt mortal Kombat into a feature-length film it's Absolutely. just people fighting and punching each other and ripping their backs out <laughs> and so and I that was the same that. era where we had people who had made big movies but were both you know, pedophiles behind the scene and unprofessional, like a Brian Singer. We didn't know any of that unprofessional news until, you know, years later. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of, it opens up your mind when you just realize it's like, you can be talented, but not a nice person and vice versa. You can, you can be a nice person, but not necessarily have talent. He just falls into that. You know, you love some of his stuff. You hate some of his stuff. You know, you can't say you hate all of it and you can't say you like all of it either. So, I mean, He's a genre filmmaker. He, he does a sci-fi movie, he does a horror movie, and then he does an action movie. <laughs> but, yeah, and I feel like in a lot of time, like just where he is as a filmmaker and like what he has access to, you read about these films behind the scenes and there's, you know, half the time there are all these major issues for one reason or another or something's being cut. So, and you don't necessarily know this oh, yeah. years later down the line. So that's another layer of like appreciating him uh later on after the initial film comes out it's like oh well especially like soldier soldier had so many issues like he lost all of his on-set locations because of a hurricane i believe oh i and didn't know that <laughs> yeah like that's why everything's kind of like sound staging like well that wasn't the original plan so you work with what you got so mm. and i think like under that lens then i'm like well like kudos to you for being able to figure that out in probably a very short amount of time so nice that screams as, much as like talent, you know, just as any other filmmaker, you know, making their Oscar. Absolutely. Movie whatever, so. That's not, you can't just put them in just one angle. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he also was quoted in one of the interviews that I watched where he said, being a filmmaker is the best job in the world. And I still can't believe that I get paid to make movies, <laughs> which is, I honestly believe it's not, it wasn't him being sarcastic. It was him being pretty genuine and authentic saying like, I still can't believe that people are hired. Not because his movies are bad, but just in general, like he's like, it, it's, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And I'm so lucky because he realizes like, it's not, <laughs> not everybody has the opportunities that he's had, yeah. the budgets that he's had also. Not everybody gets this chance. We'll return after these messages. Hey, it's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found.
Do you ever find yourself thinking about who would win in a fight between Goku and Superman? Hi, I'm James Gavsey, and on the Who Would Win show, me and my co-host Ray ignore anything important happening in the outside world and debate fictional battles between characters from comics, movies, and video games. We got a new show every week, and almost always am I the winner. <laughs> yeah, not true, Ray. In the past, we've discussed such matches as Captain America versus Darth Vader, Solid Snake versus the Iron Giant, classic matchups like RoboCop versus Terminator, and even the Muppets versus Sesame Street. That one was crazy. So if you're a fan of geek culture and love a spirited debate, check out the Who Would Win Show wherever you get your podcasts or check us out at whowouldwinshow.com. I was fortunate enough to see uh, shopping back when I had cable TV. I still do, actually, but it's just at a different house. <laughs> and it was just one of those I was pretty indifferent to. I meant to always rewatch it, but it didn't exactly set my <laughs> world on fire. Uh, did you see it? <laughs> Yeah, my my only takeaway was really like, oh, it's really young Jude Law, and that's They're about in a it. Car. Yeah. yeah, the I, poster it's... makes it look like they it's going to be a big giant, you know, hostage takeover movie or something, yeah. or a heist. Yeah, yeah, and it's just interesting, like, because that's the he only made that one film before they gave him Mortal Kombat, and I wonder if the studio just you know didn't have much hope for or just picking anyone for video game stuff since that was one of the first video game movies. But I'm like, wow, that's actually like a really good calling card that you made for yourself then i guess if it got you the mortal Kombat gig yeah. just with this so <laughs> yeah i saw it like i think a few years ago maybe five years ago and then i rewatched it uh nice. before going into this um it's uh it's weird it's just like you watch it you're like it, like i said it has uh I think more of a, kind of movie mixed in with frill seeking yeah rebel without cause uh oh, there for, you go. <laughs> the, for the 90s audience you know so there's like the t the techno music uh soundtrack uh but what I don't understand how someone could watch that movie and be like, oh, we need this guy to do this martial arts movie. Meanwhile, Hong Kong is making these amazing fucking things. You know, they're like, no, it's this guy who did this, uh, you know, uh, you know, Euro, you know, teenage drama, basically. I, like, I would go. give him the, I would go like, let's give him the direct hackers, you know, or something like there that. There you like, go. Like, He's <laughs> making Jean-Luc Godard's hackers. Perfect. <laughs> right. I think it's got more of a, that vibe, but um you know, it's a, uh, uh, but you know, I, I think what they saw is he can uh, do some of those car chases and action sequences on a real, real low budget. So I think that's um, perfect in his um, entry point in the studio filmmaking. This is like he can deliver uh, something on time and on budget and, uh, and have those enough of those, you know, uh, action bits to, to, to really sell it. So, totally. um, um, it's also kind of an interesting movie. Again, this is also a movie like I feel like, he could have made a good Fast and Furious movie somewhere along the way, you know, maybe not uh, after five, but, you know, kind of, <laughs> yeah. right, you know, um, and then it's also kind of a showcase for uh, the British actors coming out of the 90s. Well, and I, I'll be honest, I, I just watched it before we met, not today, but I mean, in preparation for today. So I'd never even heard of it until I started doing the research. And so um, I got to say, like, while the movie felt like it was a little long in the tooth sometimes, uh, mm -hmm. I loved the aesthetic that he had in the film. And like, I don't know, I think you mentioned it earlier. Did you say steampunk or not? Um, oh, cyberpunkish. Kind cyberpunk. Of, sorry, yeah. cyber, cyberpunk. No, all good. <laughs> I definitely feel like that aesthetic and, and miss that quality from like those early 90s films that you can see kind of carry throughout some of the films as we go. Because um, mm -hmm. yeah, that's. That's exactly what I was um, thinking of when I was watching it. In fact, I was getting 
I, I don't know. I don't remember if this is before or after, but I was getting like train spotting vibes a little bit too with me, this. Me yeah, too. That was two years later, so that's wild. And maybe train spotting ripped this up. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, my, that was like <laughs> while watching it, I was like, oh, this is just like it's a cute little riff on train spotting. It's like, how did this come out before? Was that just the aesthetic for UK movies at the time? Like, may I don't know. Uh, maybe. But, yeah. <laughs> well, on that, and then I like uh, the way I would describe it to someone is for some reason it just kept saying like train spotting meets some kind of wonderful the john hughes film that not a lot of people have seen but the one with mary stewart masterson yeah and it it gave me sort of that i don't know i same energy not the plot so much but just style and musically um i don't know i just i really liked it and i i hadn't seen anything with all right i'll I'll give it a rewatch i was just indifferent the first time i saw it (laughs) yeah i mean i'm not saying it's the best movie in the world but i didn't mind it it just like we said, it just goes a little too long. And then there's parts where I definitely tune in and out because it's just, it's very dramatic in a way of just like a drama, you know, like a drama that happens to have exciting moments in it and cars crashing into jewelry stores. And that ending, <laughs> that ending is dark. Like I just, I was not expecting that. Like, <laughs> I don't know if we're doing spoilers or not, but I mean, it's up to you, man. And maybe it'll make me want to rewatch the movie. It's happened. <laughs> it's it's just insane. And I, I was really waiting for the movie, like to keep going. Cause I'm like, Oh, well, someone's going to live right. Insane. That's all I have to say. Very insane. Mortal Kombat is probably his most popular one, but why do you think it is, you know, other than people like the lines, the unknowns were, in the popular roles it introduced non-gamers to the game gamers were satisfied with it it was that rare movie i did rewatch it and there is some dumb stuff in it but yeah. <laughs> i do think it's fine for what it is i'm more partial to the tv shows actually no oh. you know. uh yeah I, I rewatched it recently and just like oh this is a lot of camp in this that i don't remember oh, yeah. especially like with goro <laughs> like oh man yeah yeah <laughs> That man from Showdown in Little Tokyo, always a camp. <laughs> and um, are you talking about, do, have we talked about Raiden? Like the guy who's playing oh, Raiden? Christopher Lambert? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. The, his portrayal. Which is so or... weird because I always kind of got Highlander vibes. I mean, both yeah. it and Highlander even had a like short-lived like Saturday morning cartoon show that made oh, even right. less sense. So I just always, <laughs> you know, if, if, if anything, this is in the same universe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just specifically the thing that comes to mind is there's a scene where like isn't he just kind of looking off into the distance and he's laughing and he's like "Ah, (laughs) and then just stops abruptly and like looks over at the camera but then he's like supposed to be looking at the character and you're just like whoa like that yes camp like for sure um and I I told Joe so I have a friend who is much younger than me i wouldn't say she's gen z she's probably i guess millennial age but never seen any of the mortal kombat films and i was like oh we have to see the 95 uh, mortal kombat (laughs) i love it and we often get together and i hate sounds like it but we we get together and we get a little out of our mind wink wink (laughs) if you if you catch my drift well we smoke pot and like watch movies and, and have a great time right so uh this was one of the ones I was like, we have to watch it. It'll be great. And she was like, I don't get it. It's just not, it wasn't for me. It's not my not thing. My thing. Like, oh man. Like it just really hurt my heart because I just assume that like everyone, like Joe and I, or even you maybe walk into it thinking like, 
oh, this is kind of fun. Like she was just like, nah, I have no interest. Like it's just stupid. So nice. <laughs> I don't know. How these narratives are set up like video games. Um, where you go, oh wait, we have to get to this place to to here, and he shows maps and you know, and and all that. So I think I think he uh I think he understood how to deliver it without uh, getting bogged down on uh on uh on recreating the video game for uh, the movie screen, which is probably a fool's errand, anyways. He was the um, one who kind of just said, "Hey, I'm using the best with what I got." <laughs> right. Um, I think that's also why he gets lumped into the worst director kind of Uva Bowl things because of because video game fans are credentials. <laughs> yeah, you know it's weird. I see comments again. I'm just like defending uh, Anderson's work, but I see comments like, "At least Uva Bowls you can enjoy," uh, you know, ironically and stuff. But it's like, how I can't make it for <laughs> his. <laughs> I mean, not to knock uh, knock anybody's work, but it's just like I can't uh, I can't see how you look at a. Uh, an Anderson movie and not see the artistic merit versus an Uva Bowl movie, you know, for example. So I don't get it. I don't, it seems like people just want to throw hate rate it just for the hell of it. It unknowingly set a bar for video game movies because they kept making video game movies that were much worse than it. So it kind Even of became the ones a... before it were awful. Mario oh. Brothers, Double Dragon. Oh my God. I mean, Street... my, my personal favorite is the original Street Fighter, but... Uh... Oh, I love that one, yes. <laughs> yeah. Again, I was going to say, Total a lot of people too. have uh, strong opinions about that film. But yeah, I, I mean, loved it, too. Sousa is my dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, just... Yeah, like, it just... After a while, you're like, oh, like, Mortal Kombat is still somehow better than these other ones. So then it starts like, oh, okay, so this is good now. This is fun. So and again, like I feel, yeah, like the the hardcore gamers, I think, were satisfied with it. Like you have the little sound bites of "get over here." It's like, okay, that's what we need. <laughs> we're that's no longer we in Karate Kid territory. Yeah, if they didn't like Mortal Kombat, I think they liked it a lot more once Mortal Kombat Annihilation came out. Because again, I'm not a hater. I actually didn't mind it, but it's fun. Uh, I mean, it can't be way. I mean, for me, it was pretty much copy and paste. Like I was kind of that way with Ninja Turtles Free. I'm like, what do you guys expect? These are made for teenage boys. <laughs> <laughs> and we adults are watching them because we're into kung fu movies too yeah right i remember seeing annihilation in theaters and not being happy with like video game characters that don't show up like i, I was i don't know i played mortal kombat like two and three especially in the arcade but then i'm i'm just like up in arms kind of you know i'm a dumb teenager so it's like oh they didn't have this character duh. i feel that's i did that with resident evil as well it's like it didn't follow <laughs> the video game like i didn't care about the video game like i was a i'm a i'm still a silent hill boy uh there you go but yeah so i feel like a lot of people probably have that attitude like when these movies came out and you know like all right let's calm down just take the movie for what it is it's fine well and because they're almost as bad as dare as i say readers because they do not understand what goes into it. And it's like, <laughs> what would you do differently? <laughs> okay, so you don't have an answer. This ha part of the chapter has to go because this is killing time. This isn't cinematic. This is a waste of space. Like Tom Bombadil in the Lord of the Rings right. book is essentially him saying, hey, I'm not your answer. Not very cinematic. So you got to omit that chapter. Yeah. But it's just so amazing how some people just... They just refuse to get into what could change it up, what would enhance it. And it's not going to be like the book. I'm like, no shit. It's a different <laughs> medium. What would you do differently? 
<laughs> I'm always like, why do you want it to be like the book? Like you have yeah. the book, you can read the book. You're complain. not going to be happy with a Tom Bombadil scene if they put one in. So like, why do you? Like... Then you'll complain that oh, it's yeah. the same thing. Like, well, yeah. yeah. I see people who really violently love and violently hate Event Horizon now, which is so wild because it was not liked at the time. And yet, no, yeah, I feel like that. To me, that's the one that I hear about most now, spoken positively in his filmography. <laughs> and I feel that because factory release, yeah, I got it. Yeah, and then also like because I still have cable, and every October they're playing that almost every day on some mm -hmm. channel, and so I just end up watching it multiple times. I'm like, yeah, that's good. Sounds like well, another that... day yeah, on the block. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that makes me wonder, like, what is it about the movie they don't like? Because I think, I mean, I'm obviously a horror fan. Joe and I are big horror yeah. fans, so yeah. we lean towards that. Any content like like Event Horizon are fantastic, but mm -hmm. I, what what is it specifically that people complain about? Because I it's it's a very simple movie, and it's not First like it was the derivativeness. Then it was just like, oh, we it's so cliche and everything. And it's like, well, I don't know, man. I think. You can't tell me you predicted the ending to this. I just found it dull yeah. on the first viewing, but I came around to it, I think, just through the folklore and remembering it. And I've been due for a rewatch recently, but I, I think your mode and tone is what really permeates your final say in any movie, really. But most movies you should probably give at least one or two times over. <laughs> yeah, like return to like a few decades later and see what <laughs> like it's okay see something yeah like i i really admire for that just like hey let's take this uh arty russian sci-fi film and then just make it pure horror and totally. and i, mean, I do i really appreciate it with because i'm i'm a huge sam neill fan uh so i really like i do his, see people using memes of that of his scream oh yeah <laughs> like i feel like his horror like what is there's probably like a trilogy in there maybe jurassic park you can add there's but... so many people who knew him from this one particular along yeah. with lawrence fishburne and kathleen quinlan so yeah i mean yeah there's a jason isaacs quote if you want to hear it <laughs> yeah. he said I'm here in reference it, to paul ws anderson it's not about how you deal with failures that defines you it's how you deal with success he said that's the anderson model <laughs> nice and he, I don't know, I think he just was like laughing when he heard that quote. Um, but yeah, going back to Event Horizon, uh, I have to say like, this movie was one of the first horror movies. So I was much like you um, growing up where like, I didn't have a huge like outlet to violent horror type sexual Yeah, other than things. UPN on a Sunday afternoon, it's just, most people are going to be like, you can't watch that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But somehow this one was a film that I think maybe because I was hanging out with friends that somebody rented or something and I was scared shitless because I knew nothing about it. And it is a very dark film. And in fact, of course, um, right. He, he even said, like, going from Mortal Kombat to this, it was exciting to do go from a PG-13 film to an R-rated horror film. So that's why he went like balls to the wall with like everything that went into this film including you know obviously the lore surrounding the tape the infamous tape scene that is missing from the from the film where they had you know was it real like sex workers and miscellaneous people yeah. doing things ah. yeah i think he so brought in, like, got amputees. some competition here <laughs> yeah yeah and so um this one scared me and then in fact like joe 
Joe and I talk a lot about novelizations of films. Like it's kind of fun sometimes when you find them that are like made after the movies obviously are like put out, like people like write the novelizations. And I had a friend who read, I remember this because we had watched this movie together and then he had read, there is an event horizon novelization that I think differs a little bit from what I was reading the reviews on before we met today. But I specifically remember him saying that there was more detail about what is actually going on in that tape that really just like is even more chilling when you read it like in words, uh, like I'm, people I'll having have to sex, check it out. <laughs> organs being broken off, stuff yeah. like that. It's very graphic. Well, so. usually, usually I feel those are written, uh, like the, they're they're written off of the screenplay because you know they have to come out when the movie comes out. So yeah, absolutely, I wonder if, like I'm surprised there wasn't a comic book either. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I've seen a lot of things online, too, where they so people always I think this is the most um, asked question of Paul W.S. Anderson is, would you ever consider doing a prequel or a sequel to this film? And he said it's like come up a few times. I think it's a 2011 and 2022. He's talked about how he said that he's, I think, developed a story in his head and thought about it but ultimately it comes down to he wants to preserve the ambiguity and original product of the original film essentially so he can just leave it untouched because he says like that's one of the reasons why people do love this movie is the way it ends they don't want more because you're just going to ruin it that's a good point because i mean people will always bicker about what they can or can't have and I, he was pretty much at this point is like I, I'm gonna go for broke. I've always wanted to do these kinds of movies. I'm an alien head, head so I'm gonna do another kind of cyberpunk outer space terror movie. I, you can't say it's anywhere near as incompetent as something like ah oh, gee I don't know what's that other <laughs> James Spader Angela Bassett movie. Oh uh, I just got the Blu-ray of it. Supernova. <laughs> oh <laughs> Supernova. Oh, yes. Some yeah, features yeah. are hysterical because they're just talking about just how there's something in there, but you'll never Isn't see. there one too called like Virus with Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh, I love Virus. Oh my god. <laughs> I haven't seen either of those movies. I'm just pulling them out there because I like, think you'd like I, Virus because it's kind of the alien template when it meets Terminator. And but I think that's another one. I think because people saw that. It just didn't gross as much money and critics weren't impressed and Jamie Lee Curtis was didn't enjoy working on it. Not many people seeked it out, but I was like, hey, it's not freaky, but it's it's a fun killer robot movie (laughs) trapped on a submarine. I mean, it's really for me no different than, say, Deep Rising. I'm just like, just Mm. we've seen everything, but it's okay, you know. If this gets people interested in the movies that inspired it, like Predator or Alien or Robocop or Terminator, you know, just go for it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, and and it's it seems to have the most um pop culture resonance, uh, oddly. Like there's references it references in uh what was it, Thor Four? She literally just does the the paper through the the pen thing and she yeah. references Event Horizon. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, it just made me think it's like, did she watch uh Event Horizon <laughs> when she saw it in the script? She's like, Oh, I better see one. <laughs> Maybe the cameraman framed it as some <laughs> But uh, they also reference it in uh, Interstellar, too. I think he basically uses the same pen through the, the paper. Subtle thing. reference, man. Subtle yeah. reference. <laughs> so is Christopher Nolan uh, an Event Horizon fan? He probably is. <laughs> he references Heat and Seven in all his movies. He's got to probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's uh, 
I think Red Letter called it Hellraiser. It's the best Hellraiser in space movie, better than the actual Hellraiser. In oh, space there movie. you go. That's a compliment. Um, yeah, it's a little, and as you said, it's like this kind of like mashing of different movies. So it's like Alien with uh, Solaris, with uh, 2001, with The Shining. Yes. You know, it's just like all every space movie, stuff. and then just your darkest yeah, house night, movie, you know, Nightmare like Fuel, William Castle. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's one of those movies. It's one of those. I, I I link it with like the Hellraiser series or like even Highlander where it's like the it's not so much the movie itself is that good but like there's a lot of uh, cool ideas or like world building like that you kind of mm-hmm. sends your your imagination going. It so may you, not be a classic, but it's still a template of fun. Yeah, you, it makes it very rewatchable because you're always kind of thinking about it or like the different things that the, that they kind of touch upon. Um, so you always kind of end up uh, revisiting the movies. I feel. Um, Hold it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, Event Horizon's cool. I think it's a uh, it's a little bit like the Halloween three thing, where I think uh, <laughs> yeah. the the you know, so it was kind of hated when it first came out, but now people are like, no, actually, it's a classic. And that, but now it's like they've gone too far with it. I'm like, okay, settle down. Like I saw some uh, random review on IMDb. It's a it's a classic of '90s sci-fi uh, cinema. Like, oh, oh my god, you know, it's just not like. <laughs> Everyone doesn't seem to know an in between point. It's like, is it entertaining? Okay, good. And what are we talking about? <laughs> right. You know, I I will rewatch Event Horizon many times in my life, but I'm not going to say it's The Matrix. You know, <laughs> <laughs> Soldier is a pretty big cold hit. I notice nowadays. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I see a lot of people who will mention it just in passing. I love that movie, and oh, that uh. movie sucks. And what's so funny is the people who I think would hate it really like it. And people like me really disliked it growing up, but I think on the third viewing, I was just like, it's a very well-shot, well-built movie, but it's just too cliche a storyline, and Kurt Russell's a little too robotic for my taste. I'd rather him be in Snake Plissken mode, and <laughs> the action's just not exciting for me, even though the story is interesting, so. What yeah, it's definitely a curiosity more than anything. Like, as that sort of Blade Runner side quill. Absolutely. I know the universe somewhere, but it's not all carbon. I think there's even I think there's a fan edit on YouTube where they put the Blade Runner soundtrack into it instead. It's like oh Oh, wow interesting. But I mean I enjoyed it for what it is. Like I I think I had seen it shortly after it came out and yeah, you know, like hated it because Ain't a Cool News told me to hate it. And I was like, oh yeah you Harry Knowles is uh, a hack. Oh, yeah. I can think for myself. <laughs> well, oh. in in that review, because it's still online, he also puts down uh, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and Urban Legends. I'm like, all right, no, like totally screw this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, you're attacking all these things that are a lot of fun, but whatever, whatever. <laughs> it was early internet. I mean, it, internet now is the same. Of like, just gotta hate on things. But mm-hmm. how dare uh, we think for ourselves? I have to admit that I this is one of the ones I haven't actually seen. So for the for like the listeners like me, how would you guys describe this? Like, give me a, a like a, either a little plot summary or or just your overall. Other than the, obviously the Blade Runner references. Um, I mean, it's a sci-fi western. Like, I put it in the same category as uh, Solo with Mario Van Peebles. It's just <laughs> one of where blockbusters kind of just. We're in that soft space between it could have easily gone just as much direct to TV or video yeah. store shelves as it could in the theater. That that's where 
it was very for me it was no different than say a typical psycho thriller erotic thriller or anything like you're gonna watch it if the poster or stars attached to it catch your eye (laughs) yeah yeah like it to me it felt very much like an 80s sci-fi film when they were just like putting out multiple ones a week and now you can Mm -hmm. find them on vhs at the video store with the cover that has nothing to do with the actual content Uh, but yeah then you just have kurt russell being all silent and stoic helping out the hapless sci-fi western town people from the evil androids i do like it better than his version of stargate though i love the show of stargate but i cannot get into the movie oh yeah (laughs) even though he is a badass o'neill i'm just like and they save the village and yeah. there's all this other <laughs> Egyptian people who don't want them here and well James, uh, effect shot. Yeah. James Spader's just too normal in that film for me. <laughs> Which is so weird because we, we want him to be odd. <laughs> yeah, we like you gotta be the weird one. But... Oh man. I have to admit the poster for Soldier is well, like you said, it's very like Kurt Russell, like front center. Yeah, that's but all you for get. some reason I'm a huge fan of Starship Troopers. That's what it's giving me the vibe of the poster that I'm looking at, where it's just like his face with like I don't know if there's a spaceship or something. Troopers in the background, alone but... was doomed because it's a satire. It should have been like Iron Sky, reminding us, "Hey, you're gonna laugh at this in a Gremlins, Evil Dead kind of way." And yet, yeah, no one like, got that joke. <laughs> no one got it at all. There's still people who I say, "I want to nuke bugs." I'm like. Ugh. The whole point is you don't want to join the army yeah. in this movie. Yeah, yeah, you're missing the undertone, yes. <laughs> I still see people who refuse to watch it. Like it, It's kind of like with Johnny Mnemonic, where there is actually a better version of the movie out there. I recommend the foreign cut, where it actually makes better sense. It's re-edited. Oh. There's, you actually know why people are trying to kill him and everything. You, <laughs> you have different shots that don't give a campy vibe, but... The damage was done. Most people have only seen the American version, so they think, oh yeah, that schlocky looking, you know, Keanu Reeves movie. And it's like, well. Eh. So is the idea is a baddie who's like the what's his name from Blade Runner. So is is he basically like a Kurt Russell or is he like one of the replacement guys that they bring I, in? It's more in? just that they're the same corporation and this one just happened to throw him away. And <laughs> Kurt Russell didn't take too kindly to being thrown away. So it became a Kurt Russell revenge movie in the second part. <laughs> Yeah, I, actually, I think like, I like the second part. There's something very satisfying by the end where he's just like, yeah, he gets discarded and he finds his humanity. Saves a village. <laughs> yeah, and then he's like, and then he's like now leading all these dudes. He's like, all right, we're going to go this planet. We're going to take over. It's kind, of, it's kind of pretty badass. I like how it ends, you know, he's got the kid and, you know, mm-hmm. like my my super soldier daddy, you know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and I this goes, I, I think the more, I don't know, the mo- most interesting thing about soldier, it's like, it's part of, uh kurt russell just had a heck of a uh 90s run there um yeah so like but so this is kurt russell's run so so tango cash came out in 89 i think came out in um uh in christmas so let's call Mm -hmm. it his first 90s movie so tango and cash okay backdraft Backdraft, executive decision or lawful entry which is an interesting uh you know uh it's kind of when they were doing those erotic thrillers like you know mix five different genres together home invasion it's Freaking a little bit talk. like it made a good double feature with Color of Night, where it's just like, oh, there you go. You know? um, Captain Ron, which I haven't seen since I was a kid, but I remember. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then you go, so those were both 92. And then 93 Tombstone. Um, there you go. Which is, yep. you know, all timer probably. And then mm-hmm. 94 Stargate, which is another one of those, like, uh, like I said, with the Event Horizon or Hellraiser, where it's like the 
the the concept of the movie is more interesting than the actual movie you know so, uh <laughs> the executive decision of course the escape from la which i i actually really like i know a lot of people are kind of down on that one and then it's like apples and oranges like hey he's in new york now he's in la it doesn't have to be the same <laughs> right well I, I, i'm so someone from la i can appreciate it and i i I, I guess I have to watch it, rewatch Escape from LA again, but I, I feel like it's okay. I can I can admit it's not as good as Escape from New York, but it's just I, the fact that he got to revisit the character. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I, I rewatch Escape from LA more than Escape from New York. It's on I, TV more. <laughs> yeah, maybe or maybe because it was like it was new when it came out, you know. So I, <laughs> I read it, bought the VHS, you know. There you go. Uh, then. Nice seven, you got breakdown, which is a very solid Hitchcockian, uh, you know, uh, thriller stalker movie. They them, what do they call them? Desert terrors or something like that. So it's like a duel or you know that kind of thing. Thanks, so. ninety eight <laughs> soldier. So that kind of ends his nineties run. You could say soldier is probably the weakest of all of these, but I mean it's still right. pretty solid, relatively speaking. We can group a lot of this together. It's, it seems like once the nineties end, he kind of just, you know. He's recognized for the Resident Evil franchise, then Alien vs. Predator, and then Death Race remake. It seems like those all kind of flow together. You either love them a lot, hate them a lot, or just take it or leave it, or just, yeah, it's a B-movie. Yeah, Resident Evil, again, it's probably a little bit like Mortal Kombat, like maybe nostalgia kind of like uh, elevates it more than I actually do like the movie, but um, uh, it's okay. Uh, yeah. Aliens versus Predator, though, if you want to jump to, do you have sure. any Resident Evil thoughts or? Just yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, Mortal Kombat or and Resident Evil, we can pretty much blend together. It's just a matter of <laughs> how does he evolve, or does he evolve, or does he stay the same, and that's enough for fans, you know? Um, I I think he definitely. I I think maybe around this, he's still kind of doing the same thing. I think you can maybe see some uh, uh, Aliens versus Predator is almost like a better version of Resident Evil. He's kind of has the same setup of like soldiers or whatever going into this uh, and uh, going underground and do this thing and then meet all the monsters effectively. Um, uh, and Aliens versus Predator, I think, is um, uh, again going back. If it was so easy to make a good Alien or Predator movie, other people would have done it and. You can't say Aliens vs. Predator is the best of either franchise, but you can't say it's the worst either. It's it's somewhere it's a in the middle. It's a movie <laughs> that happens to have the Alien and Predator fighting, and it's... I mean, with Alien vs. Predator, I think the reason I was indifferent to it is I was already kind of just a monster guy in general. I'd watch Universal Monster movies, and God, for me, this was just like a lesser Godzilla movie. I was like, okay, you know, everyone's telling me I should hate it, but I really don't, because I wasn't bored. I wasn't impressed. I would never rank this in the top 10 of the franchise. But I'm going to give this a hot take. I will take this any day over the prequels, Prometheus or Covenant. I cannot watch those at all. <laughs> and that or was Requiem. by Ridley Scott. Yeah. How about that one too? That's another one that people have yeah, a lot of thoughts on. Yeah. Requiem is another one where I, I even see some people like it just for the gore and predator moments alone. All, all I'll say is I can understand either movie, really. They're just as B-movie as you can make it. Like, if anything, they're kind of more Predator movies than Alien movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When Predator was, you know, kind of the bastard child of the two. Alien was a critical and audience favorite, while Predator was kind of more of a cult movie that made a lot of money. And now it's a genre classic, you know, because we get our heads out, out of our ass after a while and realize, hey, even if you don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger, hey, this movie's just a badass movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll let I'm, Joe go first because I feel like Joe has some strong feelings about I do have it, strong man. There is no wrong <laughs> Just go for I, it. I am not a fan and I am no, very biased because I 
I grew up like my parents, uh, my mom especially was super into the first two Alien movies. So nice. I was at a you very young mom. age watching that. <laughs> there was one time I remember they like brought me downstairs like you have to see this scene and it's the chestburster scene. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so, so your parents were all about what can I do to creep everyone out? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you're like, I like it. Yeah. Let's try. <laughs> uh, and I never, I didn't watch pre the first Predator for a while, but Predator 2, for some reason, you know, like you just jump right into the FX sequels. a lot. I loved that film. And much uh, like same. Event Horizon, it had to cut out a lot of violence scenes yes, to yes. get an X-ray. <laughs> yes, yes, lots of cuts there. So, uh, and with those, uh, if you remember Alien vs. Predator, apart from the comics, there was also an arcade game. And man, yes. that's still one of my favorite video games. Love it to pieces. I couldn't go like, anywhere without seeing computer CD-ROM games being advertised. Yeah. yeah. So when we finally got to this, like I would say like I'd been anticipating this film for so long. <laughs> uh, and to get this as a finished product, it's like, oh, really? That's it? Like I really, like, really, really hated it with all oh, my fine. being when it came out <laughs> now i've I get in it. my old in my old age i've softened but i'm i still can't say i'm a fan i appreciate he does a lot of uh practical effects in it i believe i don't i think he was trying not to do too much cg which good for yeah, him yeah he, he Again, said that on uh, in an interview because uh, people were kind of that way with predators and the predator too where it's mm. just like I, you kind of got to just put them as apples and oranges they don't want to be like the original one, but they are kind of like Predator 2, where it varies by <laughs> audience and people who still hate it like they did back in the day. And there's other people who's like, eh, it's fun. Yeah. Let out the gore. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I find generally Predator fans are kind of more like uh, Jason fans where they're they're just in for a good time. And I find Alien fans are kind of more like Halloween fans where they sometimes <laughs> take the franchise way too seriously, where it's like, dude, it's escapism. <laughs> <laughs> and if anything this is more like uh elm street where it's just an acquired taste but it's camp, <laughs> it's camp. camp yeah. mixed in with intelligent screenwriting but i mean honestly the only ones as much as i hate resurrection still to this day i'll even take that one over prometheus <laughs> mm. And I and I, I understand gotta... Prometheus has a lot of love because of the cast and everything. My my sister loves it, and I'm like, oh really? Okay, you're not even a fan of these movies. What, what the hell? <laughs> well, Prometheus has that whole. I feel like before that was even really a conversation. Now, when when the people call that like almost kind of like elevated horror type thing, no. like it's trying to be yeah. serious and be like very back to the original feel of the first one. I guess I just hated the lost type ending where they're like, oh, everybody dies. Oh, right. oh. <laughs> and <laughs> the lost that... writer, and then he doesn't even know how to explain it. He's like, it just ends. And then really Scott's like, I don't like anyone who doesn't like my movies far off. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you for wasting my time. Yeah. I think the thing that pissed me off the most about that is the fact that Charlie's Theron, who I loved in that film, like literally couldn't roll out of the way from that falling statue and got <laughs> smashed. I remember being so pissed. It was like the feeling I had when Sarah Michelle Gellar and I know what you did last summer died. I'm like, fuck you. You are right there. You can get out of the way. You can live. You'll be yeah. fine. But nope. Had to stop and look around. <laughs> I'm that way with today's sci-fi movies. Half the time they'll just have this info dump and I'm like, yes, that was apparent in the last 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> now you're just killing time until oh, we got notes from this, this just in. Producer's calling in. He wants an explosion. We gotta wrap it up, guys. <laughs> Experiment gone wrong on one, two, three. <laughs> no. yeah. 
I want to give a big shout out because I don't think she gets enough credit, but I love, so going back to AVP, um, Sana Latham, I believe is how you say her name, the final girl. In the I film. was always indifferent to her. I had known her as Blade's mom and a bunch oh, of other chick flicks. Yeah. Uh, love basketball, yeah. Uh, I, I prefer the Ripley. They're both okay. So both the main chicks in this are obviously Ripley clones. I prefer Raiko Iosworth since I'm a fan of hers from Mr. Brooks and 24. Mm. Even though her, there wasn't anything to her character, but she brought it. She's intense. And this one, I was just like, really, she's gonna try and say the only f bomb she can in a PG-13 movie. Really, <laughs> the only driving force for me is really Lance Henriksen playing the creator of, or whose influence inspired the Bishop Android. Bishop, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I just am really... Oh, and the Colin Salmon guy. Also known is... as the laser-cutted victim in Resident Evil. Oh, oh yeah. that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. In the, uh, my, my, I remember I saw this with my uncle one time, uh, you know, because he loves junky movies too. And he's like, hey, food for thought or just entertainment. Just go with, in with lowbrow expectations. But he, he and I were always Colin Salmon fans, so... When we finally saw his star rise, when we see him on various British spy shows and Arrow, we're like, yeah, but he'll always be that James Bond, Paul W.S. Anderson actor to us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got to, again, give props to Paul W.S. Anderson just because he did say, like, yes, it is a camp you know, balls to the wall film, right, mm -hmm. um, AVP. But but he did say, like, he he was trying to mirror the James Cameron Ridley Scott type right. feel for the films and he did say like Joe you were asking about practical effects he said like because the CG was so horribly received for um resurrection he knew going in like he didn't want to he didn't want to replicate he didn't that want to be the CGI guy because this was back yeah. when everyone was still iffy no one knew how to do what Spielberg did with Jurassic Park you know? yeah yeah. Well, I appreciate, too, he has a commentary uh, about how he said, you know, like, practical effects usually just stay, look pretty good for the most part and don't mm -hmm. age too horribly, whereas, like, CG is always going to seem outdated because something newer comes along and just makes everything uh, inevitably just look shitty in the past just because you're like, oh, there's new technology now. We This yeah. looks horrible. Um no, so it's so true. I will see people tease about the CGI in Mortal Kombat. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You cannot <laughs> base 90 CGI with today's CGI. Yeah. There's such a difference. And I mean, I go to the Babylon 5 argument. That show had computer game type graphics, but it didn't matter. It was mm -hmm. people wanted a cool space opera and they got it. Here's before the expanse, you know, it's just. It's like everyone just wants to have their cake, but they don't even want to eat it. They just want to just bitch at it. Oh, that looks rip awful. Oh, who made that cake? Yeah, yeah, totally. The rip of the shreds, let it melt in the sun. Who's going to eat that cake? Oh, well, I've waited too long. I'm not going to even eat it. I'm like, well, you're just a douche. <laughs> <laughs> well, another an another thing I appreciate about this one, too, is that he was very adamant about trying to make like his own standalone standalone film. He said oh, yeah. he was never interested in trying to make Alien Five after or... credit scene or anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's just <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to make Alien Five. He didn't want to make Predator Three. He was just like, I'm going to do it. In fact, he even said, I don't know if this is out there Wikipedia, but it's, he said Arnold originally. I don't know what this would look like. I he remember said, hearing about that. Dutch was going to come back. Yeah, he was going to be at the end credits, but then he said the only stipulations were you have to come to Hollywood to film the scene, and two, if I become governor, then I won't be able to do it. And 
obviously you know which one of those <laughs> came true so i don't i just wonder what that would have looked like because and they tried to do it again with the predator actually no it was ripley was in the trailer and then that didn't make the final cut but then when there was that serious package that opened at the end my sister and i were watching the hearing like I think it's going to be Arnold. I think it's going to be Arnold. Nope. Someone else. <laughs> okay. I remember that. Yeah. It was such a letdown because you're just like, or you could be like, or even um, the, the, the predator. I think I remember thinking one of the characters, I'm like, why isn't this Danny Glover? Like, why is this <laughs> yeah. not him? Like, this is a oh, tailor character made for that a character. Great arc in some of the books I'm told. I just bought the rage oh. war books and trust me, we'll, we'll let you on for another alien predator special <laughs> for friends with the predator minutes i talk i text them almost every day we have so much fun but uh in fact we'll we'll invite you for an entire val verde saga breakdown how about that oh. <laughs> the country in that sure. entire yeah thing. yeah yeah uh but yeah no that that's a good point too i mean so now that he, i mean the trailer pretty much made the movie we knew exactly what to expect i remember i think it was like the highest most rented like seen movie along with white chicks and halo 2 and the incredibles <laughs> so like uh that was 04 was a mind-blowing year it was kind of referred to as a lackluster year but i was just like that's where i was finding out i was like okay well we're in the gray zone we got to find a movie that we will like that is clearly clearly has critical merit and then there's going to be ones where like oh it can be decent or you know it's a good decent sunday 2 a.m movie you know it's just, it doesn't have to be great but it was in that gray zone. I mean, I you could not pay me to watch White Chicks, but hey, I can't deny it. It's a very popular, stupid comedy. It still is. There's people who talk about it to this day, and I'm like, well, see, it it found its audience. It found its yeah. niche. I, I know yeah. people who love to bitch about uh, Alien versus Predator, but they own the whole franchise. So what does well, that mean? And cause these two properties are not at all aligned but i'm also wondering yeah. so freddy versus jason came out in 2003 this is 2004 so right 2004 yeah, yeah. mvp so do you think that helped or hurt just because again you know it, Kinda. you read a lot of things too where people were like oh the leprechaun versus pin pinhead and all this shit that people Alien, are saying yeah. are like freddy versus jason pretty much back to back everyone the versus movie became popular again uh i love how effects uh, creator and director Robert Kurtzman said in a 2016 uh, convention panel that he had a made a fake Photoshop job of Candyman versus Wishmaster. <laughs> I was like, oh. see, <laughs> I want to see that. You could pay me to see. Yeah, I think Anderson delivers the goods. I think this is like, uh, you know, he it's a it's a he's a. I recommend the unrated cut. There's a little more dialogue and gore in that. A little one. more, a little more gore, a little more, uh, a little more blood splashing on a on a well, on the ice or whatever. There's also some extended scenes with the pyramid too. <laughs> I think I watched the unrated version, so I, I don't remember the the first version uh, in comparison. But uh, but yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed this rewatch of Alien versus Predator. I think it's as I said, I it I th I think it's it's not the best Alien or Predator movie, but it's it's not, definitely not the worst, you know. And I think <laughs> they do a good. I think they do a pretty good job actually of blending the two stories together. You know, the, the worlds yeah, together. That's and exactly. I, I like the whole chariot of the gods and Aztec pyramid and you know these were uh we worshiped these things as gods and they were actually aliens and stuff i think it's cool uh it's a cool uh uh way to Double kind of feature. blend those two franchises yeah, yeah. um and it, it's got as you said it's got the influence of like the 50s sci-fi schlock uh i think he yeah i like it yeah 
it's no different than the mummy versus frankenstein or whatever you know mm-hmm. it's definitely yeah i think they even show uh uh, wolfman versus frankenstein in the beginning so you know where he's uh, where his reference yeah. point is yeah i call it a a, a good lazy sunday afternoon movie you know mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of totally cable tv movie the the site oh that's right i i did watch it for this joe did you oh, sweet. I, Is it on I did i watched i watched it just a few months ago actually unrelated because i'm also <laughs> a fan of andrew mccarthy mostly due to uh weekend at bernie's but nice. uh, learning of its existence, I'm like, oh, this seems interesting. I saw it back in the internet, back when Mega Upload was a thing, and it was one of those like, yeah, I can deal with this decent. Yeah, that's where I, I think I came around really to Paul W.S. is like, I don't hate him. He's just a genre guy. <laughs> he wants to, he's good with visual in terms of, I mean, he's making a Sixth Sense type movie, basically, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I... Stir of Echoes type movie, and it makes sense, you know, because he he knows how to incorporate visuals without being overwhelming the audience. <laughs> I yeah, got it. Oh, go ahead, John. Oh, I just would have been interested in if it would have gotten picked up as a TV show to see like where what he would have done with it. Because um, I guess I haven't seen his other show. Like, what was the? It one? could have been Origin? like the Dead Zone, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Something. So I'm like, that would have been fun to have around the early 2000s. But totally. I was just gonna say that I got major Dead Zone vibes. And again, <laughs> is this? Are we saying like Paul W. S. Anderson is like somewhat prolific? People are. <laughs> we did a fun episode on that, uh, and it's amazing how a lot of people have seen a lot of these different movies and shows, but barely anyone wants to talk about them on a podcast. They'd rather just. <laughs> bitch about the mandalorian or bridgerton or mm-hmm. stranger things and you're like ah how about when cable was cool yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i didn't mind this um i think the only thing that took me out of it a little bit was the music just because it was very like tv it was very for me. synth wave you're mm-hmm. like okay beep, 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 beep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hitchcock but, was it? <laughs> but the the plot and the the um the story idea, you know, I I appreciated it. I, I was trying to think if there was something else that I'd seen that has a similar because I mean, Mr. Rebecca's or yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Huh. <laughs> something something was just sort of like really resonating with me, and I was just like, obviously, it didn't feel like a new concept, but it was a nice twist on everything, and and you know, I could have did without the whole like Alice in Wonderland type stuff but but again i'm talking about now in 2023 when i've been like i feel like alice in wonderland content's like so oversaturated and everything that... yeah gotta have a get it we made a matrix reference which is already referencing <laughs> alice in wonderland man <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah so you wanted to talk about all six resident evil movies so... <laughs> could you tell uh... i'm anxious to talk about it because obviously i'm a big fan <laughs> so joe had only seen i think one right number one yep just the first one in the theaters and that was it and so i made a point to have an entire six movie marathon which is <laughs> nothing compared to like we've had friends do like the entire friday the 13th back-to-back marathons which oh wow god bless anyone because anytime you go six was a lot for us because we My started early often and went... watch one and two because they're on sci-fi channel quite a lot oh yeah but this was a feat, so I'll let Joe kind of talk about his experience <laughs> if he wants to. Uh, well, I, I, I don't know. Parts of I think it's paced pretty well as a six movie series until the final chapter. I yeah. feel. Oh like yeah. You kind of end there. You kind of <laughs> end on the down note of the series. Um, 
but I was surprised at how much I enjoyed some of the movies. Uh, yeah, I'm indifferent to them too. Kind of like the first one was just a simple takeover movie with the yeah. Rob, Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson soundtrack. And I was just like, okay, it's watchable. The monsters at the end look awful, but that's a different yeah. story. Michelle Rodriguez <laughs> is a badass. Yeah, Michael the cast is great. Yeah, yeah Apocalypse definitely has a fun cast. You got Razik Adati from Amistad and Doom. You got Mike Epps, Odin Farr is a badass in a helicopter and Thomas Crutcherman, that German guy in every movie is a bad apple extinction. <laughs> Couldn't get into that one. That's where I yeah. was like, Russell Mulcahy, you have outdone Highlander 2 as the worst movie you've done. This is a Mad Max <laughs> clone. She's fighting dwarves and other people. It's just, I'm not digging it, but it has an audience too. And then Afterlife couldn't get through. I saw that online, but I did see Retribution in theaters and I kind of just, even though it offered 3D, I was just kind of like, just enjoy the soundtrack and the fact that they're bringing back some of these guys. Then mm-hmm. it's kind of just having fun seeing her kill clones. And then, yeah, the final chapter, I was just like, ooh, just, it doesn't matter that this is formulaic now. It just, everything from the music scoring to the editing to the camera work is just giving me a headache in a bad way. I'm just, Mm-hmm. I barely got for that one. And even the story is contradicting the earlier chapters. It's like, yeah, Anderson, you, you've been around for all of these. You should know. Like, what? Yeah. Why, why do things suddenly not make sense? It was know. such a letdown. And again, as a fan, not only did I talk about earlier, like having to deal with the fan blowback after every movie, but then also, like, you know, one of the things you come to sort of accept with each movie is the continuity of like where yeah. did those characters go what happened to it's them like I guess Shango Fett fought all his clones and then yeah. oh by the way the Republic doesn't exist wait what <laughs> well or just even like one of the things that you get really excited about is I love how Extinction ends because it's like oh there's all these clones we're gonna come fuck you up umbrella um, <laughs> and then and then four starts and you get a little bit of the action but then it's essentially just like they're all dead now. We just blew them all up in a bomb. And in one building, they're all dead. There's no they're more They're all clones. dead. How... It's just like, yeah. what the fuck? And then and then five, five two, like uh, after Afterlife, it's Retribution, which I have to say is a soft spot. Like, I love Retribution. Yeah. A lot of people have hard feelings for it. But it I love the setting and the, uh, the concept of just going between the different worlds and having the clones come back. Because I have to say, I'm a huge Michelle Rodriguez fan. And... Yep. Uh, when they brought her back, and then the way they killed her again, I was like, "That was God so hysterical!" <laughs> oh man, like, just broke her neck like instantly. I was just like, "Come on!" It introduced me to Tom and Andy, the soundtrack composers. Oh, oh cool! But Wait, um, else? yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Oh, just what else have they done? Oh, everything: Mothman prophecies, killing Zoe. Oh, cool! I'm looking at it now. The Strangers, P2, Hills Have Eyes. Oh, well, they did Rules of Attraction. I love Rules of Attraction, so that's... Oh, that's right. That was good. 47 meters down. Oh, that's a great score. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a solid filmography they have. Like, just even going from four to five was just a bummer because they set it up as, like, this big epic battle on the space... On the... On top... <laughs> you know, on the top of the sh- the battleship, and then all of a sudden, all we you get is, like... battleship. An intro. Yes, a slow-mo <laughs> in reverse, like, intro of everyone going overboard and... That's I was bummed that they brought Colin Salmon back and he dies again in the same <laughs> well, scene. I'm like, why do you even bring him back? But and and the whole Jill Valentine, like Sienna Gullery type 
plot that you're like, wait, so now she has long blonde hair and she's got this. Her storyline didn't make any sense. And then she like disappeared again after after this movie. It's like, oh, she just blew up in the. We blew her up at the what at the White House. It's like again another one. Far seemed to be having fun though. Because he got to I both just, play an evil and a good guy version of his character, and each time he died. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just the most frustrating thing about this franchise. Is like he always set up like these great possibilities of these like great scenes that you want to see play out, and then they just like literally gloss over it. Like that was my biggest yeah. problem. Well, amongst the money with final um, final chapter is it's supposed to be this huge epic battle at the white house with all these monsters. And then it's literally <laughs> like, Oh, we just dropped a bomb and it exploded, but Alice survived even though she's human now and not, or she has her powers, but I don't she know. She wasn't human. What? No. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's, it was so out there. Uh, I, I know I was seeing this with a college pal who I'm no longer friends with. Cause he just was so fucking weird after a while, but, uh, <laughs> fun college fun study buddy but i remember he would just get the hots for any beautiful woman on screen it's like dude it, chill what is that? <laughs> and he he sees the asian gal lee bing bing the chinese actress oh. he's like oh my god that's the chick from forbidden kingdom with jackie chan jet lee i'm like cool and he's like oh my god she's gorgeous i'm like cool <laughs> keep watching the movie <laughs> she's done a lot of stuff since then like the meg and transformers 4 but i was just like interesting i i was already familiar with her hong kong work i was like well at least she got to do some gunplay <laughs> yeah did she play ada wong is that who that was yes yeah in yeah. Uh, the contact in the car chase scene i haven't even seen that movie in years <laughs> i still know it like it was yesterday <laughs> <laughs> memories man just and it's funny how you get just bizarre memories just watching the dumbest of the dumb <laughs> Well, and considering that you're mentioning beautiful ladies, we didn't really talk about Joe said. Oh, Mila. One, one of your earliest, yeah, earliest I guess, crushes. I guess if, yeah, if, if you're looking for beautiful ladies. Is how I she mean, loads that shotgun? Is that it? <laughs> your voice? Well, just her, just all the uh, very far jumps that she makes all the time. Uh, and shooting things, and I don't know. But no, like Fifth Element. That uh, Yeah, it's, I, I hold that up as my biggest movie crush I've ever had. Um, so I have a soft spot for Mila. Uh, with these and at Three Musketeers, I spoiler thought that was an absolute blast too, and it was very nice to see her brought into that. So nice being evil, and I have because I haven't seen her. Uh, she was the villain in the newest Hellboy, like the David Harbor Hellboy, right? I actually liked her in that. Yeah, so I, I've been meaning to I see that. I just it. keep forgetting about it since it's kind of came and went so quick. But. I think the thing is, what's so wild is everyone was just talking about behind the scenes stuff, like they were never going to accept it. But I honestly, when I went and saw it in theaters, I could not tell the difference like i thought it was still ron perlman oh i thought harvard did a good job but uh you know people had some issues with the cgi i i only thought it got weak towards the end but i i knew instantly i was watching an 80s movie when they (laughs) open up with a fight scene of him wrestling and it's set to a spanish version of the scorpions rocky like a hurricane so i'm like okay (laughs) it's by the millennium film guys okay neil marshall had some scenes over edited so he disowned it uh, but oh. uh, I, Mike Mignola gave approval for both versions, so I was like, "What is the problem?" I mean, I I went in and I got essentially what I expected—a Gremlins, uh, Wishmaster type movie. So I'm just like, "Okay, whatever." Yeah, yeah, it's all expectations or lack thereof. Yes, man. <laughs> I you love what you love, hate what you hate. Yeah, it doesn't matter. So, did you ever expect in between monster slash zombie movies? I mean, because Resident Evil is in that 
red line. It's not George Romero, and it's not 28 Days Later with rage zombies. <laughs> it's like a whole different ballpark, and just endless people who you blow up or who mutate into giant, you know, creations. Um, but yeah, then he does another take on the Three Musketeers and Orlando Bloom's kind of still playing a what I call evil Legolas, evil Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I am a sucker for airships in movies, since it doesn't happen very often, talking about steampunk. Uh, so Yeah, and I'll... some people call it clunk punk because there's other vehicles. I, I thought it was just steampunk, so... I yeah, oh, geez, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, this cast is insane, too, mm-hmm. because, like, the villains... Because you have Mads Mikkelsen and uh, Christoph Waltz showing up here, too. It's like, man, everyone's in this. Shadow I don't know... Temple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, like, I don't know if it <laughs> if it reaches the heights of the 90s uh, Disney version with, uh, what, Kiefer Sutherland and Tim Curry and Charlie Sheen. O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah, I prefer that version, but... Yeah, it's, but it's, I mean, like... To be it's fair, fun. it's not trying to be like that, yeah, yeah. or even the it's... '90s Robin Hood, or even right. Count of Monte Cristo. You know, don't get me oh, wrong. Sure. I think I think that's a fun movie in its own thing, but it's more of a slow burn revenge movie. It's not. It's more of a drama adventure, I find, than yeah, an yeah. actual straight up action mm-hmm. movie. But yeah. I mean, I've seen boring. I've seen worse. I think everyone just hated it because I guess. It wasn't following any formula, really, and I wouldn't be surprised if they were going to hate it in day one. They say, oh, it's a Resident Evil guy. Fuck him. Yeah, I feel like he comes with some baggage, and with it being a 3D film, which probably by that point, they're like, oh, these (laughs) these 3D B-movies, whatever. uh, Matthew McFadden, I see getting so much hate all the time. You You might know him from shows like Spooks, which we know in the States as MI5 and Secession. But anytime he's in a movie, I see people call him the British Keanu Reeves, and I'm like, I don't see anything wrong with him. Obviously, he's not killing it, but he's not the worst. He's just yeah, he's just a day player who's got a Shakespeare background. Tarantino named it as his top eleven. Oh yeah, he's the twenty eleven. So go figure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, like it probably brought in an audience that it wouldn't I'm have had. Surprised he hasn't put Miller in one of his crazy movies. <laughs> yeah, well, he's that still got one amazing. left. Yeah, come on. <laughs> I, I gotta say, I was surprised when this came out. I remember hearing about it, and then I told Joe like I DVR'd it on TV a long time ago. Yeah, and it's I was on like, ABC Family a lot. I was just like, oh, this is gonna be something more current than it was. I didn't realize it was between Resident Evil films that <laughs> right? um, Three Musketeers came out. But, but again, going back to Mila Jovovich's or Jovovich, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm getting technical now. Um, oh, good. No, uh, I just have to say, like, I think some of her best work is when you can tell she's having fun, and I think like this movie is one of those like perfect examples of like. Clearly, she's having like the time of her life because she's not (laughs) when she's not having to carry a movie, you know what I mean? Like, she's just a minor character and she can just like go balls to the wall and still do some action. I'm raising your kids, Paul. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was too, too, but yeah, it's just like there are so much worse movies out there. I mean, this, this knew what it was and it didn't, I mean. If it's too dumb for you guys, then just say that as opposed to worst movie ever. <laughs> yeah, it's like how many you need to see more movies if you think this is the worst movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the set, the uh, like the locations they shot at, I thought were like gorgeous. And oh yeah, 
the set designs and the um like that giant chess piece that they have in like that one mm-hmm. room that they're talking or um even just the costuming it's just like i think what i wrote down for this is he was saying he uh compares basically period films to sci-fi films because there's so right. much preparation that goes into both mm-hmm. and when you're creating a world so or world Especially building. one you'll only see for a few minutes you know <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. So um, I don't know. I like. I didn't mind it. Yeah, uh, we almost skipped over uh, Death Race. Uh, what was your take on that one when that came out? Uh, I have very little opinion. I feel like <laughs> I'm not. I'm. I'm not a fan of this. Like I. I I've just recently watched this one. Uh, I, <laughs> I kind of like just from the trailers and like I like the original Death Race 2000. So it's like I don't need to see this. Um, but I don't know. For I. I like. I find his action pretty fun in most of his movies, but Death Race, like, I don't know, like, for being what it is, like, a Death Races, like, I thought, like, this was more muted in action than his usual films. Yeah. I mean, I love myself some Ian McShane. I'm a Deadwood fan, so it's fun to see him. Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I mainly, the trailer pretty much told me everything I needed to know. Okay, there's this guy who's on all these cop shows whose stars since taken off, Natalie Martinez... Uh, let's just say not Michelle Rodriguez, Joan Allen, <laughs> face off in the Born Identity movie. She's hamming it up as a warden. Obviously, it's a lowbrow movie and it makes a cameo. Uh, I totally forgot that Robin Shu from Mortal Kombat returned here. So there was a throwback. Uh, oh, that's right. I, I didn't oh, remember yeah. Jason Clark or Jacob Vargas in it. And I did forget about Ian McShane. He was like basically the mentor but uh, i mainly remembered tyrese gibson i was like see oh, yeah. i like you better in these this and the john singleton movies than in either transformers <laughs> or fast and furious because you're just being tyrese and save <laughs> <laughs> them i'm still indifferent on I, I like him in some movies like even dare i say go to mars home front and uh, the original transporter and war and then other movies i'm like yeah tone it back dude you're just as <laughs> ego-headed as vin diesel so for this i was just like i have more connections to this than i even realized like i have met family friends who would watch this every time it was on like usa or tbs i met in i want to say 2014 i met robert lasardo the grim reaper guy oh oh at a convention and we talked for three hours he was the oh, loveliest wow. man Oh, awesome. Had I gone there earlier, I would have seen his pal, who he starred with in a few movies, including Wishmaster 2, uh, the Jin himself, Andrew Devoff. But oh. I liked it because my mom suggested to it. There were some annoying B, D movie guys who had done direct video guys, including this one gal who was promoting Hobgoblins 2. I didn't want to talk oh, to any God. of them. because they, <laughs> they were basically annoying because like you couldn't go to their table without them demanding you buy their $40 movie. I'm like, I'm oh. not buying this piece of shit for 30 40 bucks And I'm sorry. I just want to talk. I don't. I'll let you yeah. know if I want to sign a signature. But yeah, he was awesome. And then finally, I was like, "Yeah, I know. I know you say you don't want me to pay you. I'm gonna pay you because <laughs> I'm gonna buy some of your merchandise." Uh, uh, we just had fun picking each other's brain. He talked about when he was in the Marines, and I mean, the death race thing, along with Leon the professional nip talk, were the main things that he had on his poster. And he was promoting a new movie he had. Yeah, it was 2014, and he was promoting Anarchy Parlor, a new slasher he had done. But I was just loved how calm and collected he was, and talking about his tattoos and stuff. And and he's like, "Hey, people don't have to love Death Race, but they 
we knew what we were making. It was just yeah, a fun slugfest. And like you say, I mean, it's so it was kind of confusing how Universal did free direct sequels to this, which I do actually <laughs> recommend if you're a fan of Luke Goss, Danny Glover, Bing Rames, and oh really, Danny Trejo. Sean Bean's even a bad apple in one of them, but as <laughs> as you do. And but then they did a direct sequel to the original Death Race 2000 with Corey oh, Producing. Nice. So I was even more confused. I'm like, so what art is Universal doing? <laughs> Hardly, I think, is his most uh, commercial movie, but right, I'll, it's as close that makes it my to... least favorite in a way. But <laughs> well, no, I know what you mean because it's not really. It's kind of marketed as a Statham movie, and it's not really a Statham movie. Yeah, and it's also his most, uh, I guess you could say he's not really a political filmmaker, but it's his most political or anti-establishment outside of maybe it's Soldier. very Running Man, and you're like, yeah, well, Running Man at least had some wit. Kind of, you know, this isn't Starship Troopers where we're making fun of. And it's also the whole remake thing. I mean, Death Race 2000 is just so, so good. And yeah, uh, and it, with all the satire and stuff, and this doesn't really have that. It just kind of strips it down into, it effectively becomes like... um Almost like uh, the games that uh, Running Man's making fun of, or Total Recall, we've made, or uh, RoboCop, we've making fun of, but it's but without uh, pretense, you know. <laughs> so it's just like it's just, it is. It's here. <laughs> it's junk so, food. Yeah. There's no satire to it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it, um, I think it's uh, relatively not a high budget movie, but the um, the practical car stunt work and 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 racing, I think, is pretty cool um, and well done. Uh, better than some of the Fast and Furious movies. This isn't one of those where I was like, hey, man, we've done well in the Fast and Furious uh, uh, flick. Um, right. Because it's got Statham and uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Ian Tyrese, right? and Joan Allen and Tyrese. Yeah. Yeah, Tyrese is in it. Um, so it's it's got that vibe, and they do the whole subterfuge. It's not a heist thing, but they but then the 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 one female driver wears his uh, Frankenstein helmet to to yeah. fool them so they can make their escape. So it's got kind of like a a Fast and Furious vibe to it. So it, it couldn't help it. I kind of think that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I just kind of wish because especially some of his uh, Anderson's other movies are more comic booky. Even if you go to Aliens versus Predator, and this is just so. <laughs> Uh, you know, they go for the gritty, more of the handheld thing and like the very mm-hmm. bleached, uh, you know, uh, color grading and stuff. So <clears throat> I wonder if he, if he made it more uh, pulpy like some of his other movies, if I would enjoy it more. So that's that's, kind that's of true. That's a good point. And- I have I have to admit, this is one of the ones I didn't get to in time. I really wanted to watch it. No, but I feel like I've seen clips like you said, I, I get the gist from the trailer and I feel like gist? I've seen clips as I have. Uh, <laughs> yes. Did I say okay. yes. Sorry. I think oh, I get, a great movie. <laughs> I get I get the gist of the film. And uh, uh yeah, just seeing the trailer, like I don't know. I this is one I guess I was like, I know exactly what this movie is. I feel like I don't need to watch the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> um that's fine. I'd but but to... I do want to now that you're talking it up, I do f- I feel like I'm more intrigued. Don't pay by for it. it. Just wait for TV. Just yeah. <laughs> lazy day if it's on Tubi, you know. <laughs> well, that was the thing. I couldn't believe like I have like all the premium channels, Hulu, you know, all the all the streaming services, and this isn't streaming for free on any of them. It's it's <laughs> totally rent only for like $2.99. Oh. So I Who just Who knows, man? Who knows? I mean Things goes in, everything goes in waves. I kind of yeah. notice. I see stuff trending that I'm like, uh, yeah, how have you not seen that movie? <laughs> so I'll just probably wait to see this one. However, you piqued my interest with um, the return of Liu Kang. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I haven't seen. Don't expect what... much, but yeah, uh, like Joe was saying, Ian McShane really is having a lot of fun, even though he's underutilized. It's just yeah, this was back. I mean, hell, he's in uh, the new Hellboy. I, and I actually thought he actually oh. nailed it instead of phoning it in like he did in some other movies, you know, like <laughs> Pirates 4. So I was, even oh though I like him in that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, we were hinting at Pompeii earlier. Uh, I rented this from Redbox back in the day. I'll let you guys go first. This kind of gets into his uh, period, uh, his period film, adventure film duology, uh, uh, Pompeii. <laughs> I, I love Pompeii. I, I think do too. It's, uh, and fact, I think Retribution, I think it's his masterpiece, but I think Pompeii is my second favorite uh, oh, yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Um, From a cinematography standpoint, I think he he shows that he can actually do some solid outdoor shots along with this in parts of Mortal Kombat, where they were like in Thailand on an island. It's like, yeah, this this looks like this belongs here. His cinematography, I think he works with the same, uh, I, I don't have in front of me, he works with the same cinematographer a lot, um, oh, I think. Uh, that's good. And uh, yeah, there, there's some good uh, good lighting in it in this one. There's, um, uh, you know, again, the action sequences are, are awesome. Um, I describe it as uh, what I write down here. It's a uh, gladiator meets Titanic with lava. So if you... <laughs> that's what was so weird. It's like they kind of abandoned the arena after a while. And the romance and disaster was like only like the last five minutes. So I was just like, so was that just the how they marketed it? so that they could get funding or <laughs> oh so it's definitely like it's a gladiator movie for the first part with like you you have some things but i guess that's how they do like the disaster movies too like so it's something like when... the black robe or any other kind of just right and they just throw uh throw a disaster movie in the middle of it you know <laughs> and it's like and then he's know. richard flesher he <laughs> has to get those effect shots <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah, again, like the the pulpy CGI, the all the the sequence of all the lava flowing all over the city and stuff is just like it's hilarious. Uh, the you know sappy romantic melodrama, uh, sword and sandal flick with the seventies disaster movie in the second half. It, it's a really cool movie. I think it's uh, it's a lot of fun. The cast was having a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I like how the romance really isn't kissy face. It's not really even trying to appeal to one gender or another. It also has a very, it's oddly has a downer ending for you. Like, I kind of wanted them yeah. to get out of it. You know, I don't know if that means I'm invested in, in, I know it's like very surface level. Kind stuck of in the 70s, whatever, I guess. Like, they went them. through all that and they, and they don't make it out, you know? Uh, <laughs> um, but it's funny. I was watching it. Uh, you know, they do the kiss at the end. It's like, uh, I wonder if there's like a version where they're like, all right, hurry up, let's go. Let's fuck you. Know? <laughs> there <laughs> the you go. Coming, you know? R-rated like, version. Yeah, take it out. <laughs> that's for the game of thrones crowd yeah right right a surprising film in his filmography and surprising too like because this made me think like why in the wake of gladiator with how big it was and winning the oscar i'm surprised there weren't <laughs> more movies like this like going back to the sword and sandal Adewadi from the mummy and yeah important identity is yeah. one of the fighters uh curry graham who's been a bad apple in various things emily browning from uh what was it she was in ghost ship and oh, ghost ship. what was that <laughs> other yeah I, I had to go with something to start off yeah. um, what was that one sucker punch yeah and so oh, right. this had a lot working against it and i think everyone was mainly checking it out because they're like hey john snow he's trying to get that movie career going and yeah uh, film district yeah that's one of sony pictures is a side company projects and lo and behold i rent this my mom doesn't mind it 
I'm in love with it because I love all those sword and sandals. I always thought it was scandals, but it's like, no, sandals, get it? They're <laughs> wearing sandals. It's, I, I loved all those kind of intrigue, sorcery, so anything from Lord of the Rings to Troy to obviously Gladiator and even just old, just 70s, you know, fight to the death movies. You know, I just, I, I loved history like that. I love just kind of just Hagen and uh, elites and, you know, Julius Caesar type you know tyrants being brought to their knees by one man who defies all so i just loved all that kind of shit and uh Kiefer was really having fun in, in the villain role yeah. as he does i thought yeah. carrie ann moss was well utilized here because this is you know after matrix and disturbia and before jessica jones so i was like okay so cool to see her getting some work in trinity get it you know as the uh uh princess's mom all that that's cool and jared harris you might know him you know richard harris's son you know he's once again, also kind of hamming it up, but it knew what it was through and through. And I just loved how Adewati is and Kits just people are comparing it instantly to Titanic and Gladiator. And this is like, well, first off, the disaster happens in the last 10 minutes, not 20, not 30. <laughs> so that poster is to sell it. The trailer is to sell it. The volcano yeah. has very little nothing. That's just to end the show. Yeah. That's the only way it can end because it's pretty hard to fight any gladiators if everything's destroyed. So, I mean, <laughs> it ranked as a B on cinema score. So I'll let that rest. But my, my ho co-host John was very uninvolved with it. And I think, I don't know. I think it just depends on what kind of old school action adventure movies you're into. Uh, yeah. I, I know Kid Harrington kind of didn't think too highly on it. He apparently joked on SNL that, the movie is more of a disaster than the event when it was based on. Well, gee. Yeah. Guess we should have found like a different leading man. <laughs> it's your best movie, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, yeah. Was this before or after Silent Hill 2? <laughs> oh, yeah. He and Carrie are also in that. You know? Yeah, oh, yeah. Hell, I love the spooks in my five movies in, but whatever. Actors. That's the other thing I don't like about actors, too. They, I, they used to just wait a decade after something came out to either say what they really thought. And then the other times it just seems like they pull a Christian bell where it's the best thing I've ever made. And yeah. Oh, if you reject it, Oh yeah, you're right. That was a piece of shit. I'm like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. You are a jukebox right now. <laughs> <laughs> we oh. talk a lot about that with Catherine Heigl being horror fans, like how, how much she shits on a lot of her like horror properties that she's in specifically she Bride of Chucky. On her and, comedies even back in the day like, yeah yeah you can't have the world and eat it too <laughs> she just leans really hard on the easy uh the low-hanging fruit like valentine and bride of chucky and oh hell i'll say this i don't take anyone who was on Grey's anatomy all that seriously <laughs> yeah. yeah you do soap operas for a living go back go away <laughs> yeah i think your head's a little big <laughs> exactly yeah this movie gets the job done I mean, but what really infuriated me more than anything was the Razzies decided to not only nominate Kiefer as worst supporting actor for this movie, and then nominate Charlie Theron for one million ways to die in the West, the Seth Rogen as uh, not Rogan McFarlane comedy. And I was oh. just like, you didn't even give a reason. And I was like, so this is when Razzies I was just getting disgruntled with audiences and everything. It's like, hey. It doesn't have to be by Christopher Nolan or Jordan Peele for me to like it. Truth be told, I don't even like half their plot twists, you know. And it can also be experimental critic proof, like a Cronenberg or David Lynch movie, you know. It's just 
I'm gonna everyone's gonna see a Paul Verhoeven movie regardless of what whether anyone gets the joke or not you know yeah. <laughs> so it's just like I, I mean if you see Verhoeven for instance new movie Benedetta which is about a possessed nun mm-hmm. I saw people complaining it's not scary enough you know it's like it's it's meant to be ridiculous but then I saw someone say a return to Verhoeven's trashy cinema that you love I'm like he was never meant to be trashy so <laughs> thanks yeah, guys wasn't it the screen the screenwriter making it trashy not him i mean no, i guess he's directing it, it but it wasn't it wasn't even a joe esterhaus script it was like a very personal movie on his thoughts on religion oh. yeah i, I know that there village. was some people are saying like oh it's not trashy enough like they just thought it was going to be a yeah. piece showgirls what like, does that mean <laughs> if it's trashy and as it is why not just take it for what it is yeah, I, yeah. but it's not trashy i'm, I'm telling no. you that as a fan if you love Cronenberg's even recent movie crimes of the future where i heard reports of people walking out barfing as if they had never seen a Cronenberg movie so <laughs> what did you think just, this was i think everyone's just getting too cynical for their own good mm-hmm. hype oh. too i'm sure with just like oh, all these people passing out and throwing up in the movie theater go see it maybe the, oh, there you go yeah it's the paranormal activity trend maybe it's yeah. the maybe it's the guys who pretend to like everything on the top 250 on imdb yeah the godfather and dark knight's the best movie ever i've never seen it (laughs) fuck you Uh, you suck up (laughs) his most recent movie was 2020's monster hunter also based on a video game also by capcom also starring mila jovovich (laughs) you bother with this there's a lot i like about monster hunter i think uh tony ja and uh, and her work pretty well together i I wish I could see more. It was definitely one of those movies where you could tell it's like, oh, I wish we got a couple more of these. Uh, but I, don't think, <laughs> I don't think it did too well, so I don't think it's uh, going to pay yeah. off. But some of the visuals, I think they probably took a lot of it from the video game, I assume. I thought some of the I guess so. I'm not sure. were cool. Yeah, I, I, I didn't play it. I know video game people were upset he was making it or the upset how it changed the storyline again and whatever. But, you know, who gives a <laughs> shit, you know? <laughs> I didn't mind it. I I saw this a while ago. I mean, again, I just I went into this not I I know nothing of the game property. I've never played the Me game. <laughs> like I just went into it thinking like this is going to be a big dumb Godzilla meets aliens. It's all movie. it's going to be just yeah. a monster shoot the shit movie. <laughs> and I don't know. Like I I was shocked. I remember being shocked at the beginning because pretty much her whole entire team dies. Right. I thought it was going to yeah. be this like we complete don't... waste to Ron Perlman, Ti, and Megan <laughs> Good. <laughs> and Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I-, I thought it was going to be basically like referencing what you said earlier, like Stargate, essentially, like they're transported oh, to a Stargate. new world <laughs> where they're like having to battle these monsters <laughs> that are otherworldly. Yeah. And then uh, instead, it was just like, oh, everyone's dead. And now she's got to befriend this like master hunter, essentially, and have her Kill Bill moment where uh, she's learning how to fight. And I don't know. I, I really appreciated that aspect of the movie I, I think that was probably my favorite part i don't... got a v- visual effects society nom oh that's mm. good <laughs> i mean yeah. over... did you see it joe i did yeah and i thought it was fine uh i think josh you liked it more than i did uh taken away uh from that but um yeah it's another <laughs> one i don't know how much of an opinion i have like i don't really follow the video games <clears throat> yeah but I, I was sort of weirded out by Ron Perlman's wig, but uh, <laughs> I forgot he had a wig. Oh my yeah, God. <laughs> you like you look really weird, Ron Perlman. You're distracting me this entire movie. Um, so but, not the worst movie I've seen 
Yeah. Obviously never played the game because by that point, I, I unless it was something occasional like Mario Kart or Call of Duty, I was just like, hey, I, I'm not making time for games and expensive stuff. I want to actually have a life, but you can have a life while being a gamer. I just, I, I wasn't going to make time. <laughs> and I, I wasn't intrigued by the poster. Obviously, I don't watch trailers because I know that's not the movie. I, I saw it and I was like, oof, I... I reject everything. This is a zero out of five star movie for me. Obviously, it is not the worst of the worst. It would never make the bottom 100. But I was just like, didn't use the cast. Couldn't tell one character apart from the other. It was too darkly lit for me. I was just like, no, reject. (laughs) Is this the bottom of the Paul Anderson barrel for you then? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely the worst of his movie. But see, it's so forgettable. Like, I'm still going to be stoked anytime he does a movie. Like, for me... It was just another day at the office, and I think he just, I wouldn't even say there was too many cooks in the kitchen. I was just like, yeah, probably sounded better on paper, but going to get that Chinese money, so I get it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. Like, I, I didn't, like, love, love this. Like, I wouldn't say, like, everyone's got to go out and see it. I just appreciated seeing, <laughs> seeing Mila Jovovich on screen again. And also, oh, there you go. No, that's it is it enough. is very, like, Transformers of Paul W.S. Anderson. Yeah, it's too like, long for its own good. Well, you're in a machine. Holy shit, that's awesome. Oh, holy shit, that looks awful. Oh my yeah. god, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go get a milkshake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of video game movies, I definitely think like, eh, you're fine. You're... Apparently, according to uh, Variety, Resident Evil is still the highest grossing video game franchise. Oh, well. Good for I that. Mean, yeah. And... <laughs> There's multiple ones, so I mean, like, once they start probably making more Mario Brothers or whatever, Sonic. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and pretty soon we'll be back to square one where they'll make too many sequels, and you're like, no, stop! Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Sonic Free, I can handle Sonic Free. That'd be a perfect trilogy. Don't make Sonic 4 through 11, you know? Yeah. Then you're just it... gleaming at the knob. You're just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, give it a little bit of a rest. Yes. <laughs> Uh, don't blow your load on just everything. <laughs> just like, yeah, must have, must have. Um, so I don't really know what he's involved now. I, I've only seen trailers for the YouTube show he did, Origin, which only lasted one season. Yeah, like... isn't isn't that on the like YouTube TV? Yeah, y- y- YouTube yeah, so, Red. Yeah, and I, yeah. given how I despise Google, I was pretty much watching everything on third party channels because I refused yeah. to pay for YouTube Red. <laughs> but it did look pretty intriguing and like kind of more of a Twilight Zone version of kind of like Pandorum and Event Horizon. But Pandorum's kind of interesting because it's almost like an unofficial Resident Evil sequel if you think about it. Yeah, it definitely has that vibe. Not, not Resident like, Evil, uh, Event Horizon. Or the Event Horizon, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And a bit I, of a vibe, too, like of um, like the Dead Space video games, too. It's like... Yeah! Spaceborn. Oh, my God. Yeah. Good call. I mean, so. Dead Space and... Oh, is that like the Mass Effect ones? Yes! Mass yeah. Effect, yes. Mass Effect, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you look at the designs and you're like, see... These could literally all exist together in the expanse and aliens yeah. and Blade Runner universe. <laughs> Just... Yeah. Oh, it man. feels like a video game movie that's not based on a video game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember when Pandorum came out. I I think I rented it and I enjoyed it. I knew nothing about it. And it was kind of fun to see like Ben Foster in a more serious role because he's in a bunch he's of stuff. He's a chameleon. Yeah. I'm so glad after uh, he did all these 
Western and war movies with uh, Chris Pine and a few other serious roles that he's finally getting his due, getting some more roles. And I'm like, see, but this is the dude who I knew as just anything, dumb chick flicks, dumb underseen dramas, even The Punisher and X-Men Free. And here he is, yeah, doing another just dark sci-fi movie along with Free Tend to Yuma and like and Hostage. I'm like, yeah, he's a pretty dope actor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's fun. Totally. I I mean, what else did they want? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, is it the twists maybe that they're just people are mad about? Because I remember that was a big thing. Surprisingly, uh, I've never heard anyone complain about the twist. You know, I won't even want to I'm gonna see it again. So I mean <laughs> I'm going in. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember this played because I worked at a movie theater for quite a few years, and this played at one of our like sister theaters down the street. And I remember like a lot of the audience and a lot of the staff were really into this one too. Like I feel this one, I've, I heard more positive word of mouth about this than I have of most of the it's movies that Anderson has directed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and yeah, I think people were into it at the time. It's out there. It's definitely out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It's doing something new. I mean, for the most part, I mean, yeah, using a lot of the same, like you said, like event horizon type alien tropes, but it's it's original enough somewhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah definitely more involving than life which i also thought was watchable but it was just like yeah but that's about the billionth alien clone mm. it's just it has jillian hall rebecca ferguson and ryan reynolds so people are gonna yeah, see I, it anyway you know that that always reminded me of is it's like marvel's way of essentially doing um Oh God! What was I thinking of? Was it like a Venom movie? Like before the Venom movies existed? Like oh, that's yeah. how Venom got to spawn. Earth. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but do we know anything about the new movie that's on the docket for? Well, Mila's coming back movie. with Dave Bautista. It looks like in that... the Lost Lands. Is that what it's called? Interested yeah. already. I'll be yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sold. And George R. R. Martin is one of the writers on it, so huh? True. Really? I... Yeah, I wonder if it's based on something he wrote. I don't know. Yeah. It's a werewolf movie, apparently too. It's a it's a fantasy werewolf. I'm I'm down. This seems <laughs> like it's going to be like ten genres. So. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? Now that you're mentioning that, it's triggering a, a thought. Like, and I forgot to mention during our Resident Evil section, but there was a huge. Well, not huge. There was a conversation for a while of like fans basically clamoring for like a Resident Evil Underworld mashup. Did you ever hear this? Or... I never heard of that. That's crazy. Which I think I, because it's, maybe it's Sony investors trying to get that extra money. <laughs> Probably crossover, but also baby. Vampires with zombies eating yeah. up. <laughs> I always feel like it was the aesthetic, but like I just try to imagine like how would they? I mean, yes, Paul W. S. Anderson has like pulled out like a lot out of pulled out a lot from a little with these Resident Evil films, so it wouldn't probably be too hard for him to stretch the imagination and cross these worlds. But like I've often thought about like what would that look like because we're meant to believe yeah, it look like something. Everybody is dead in this world outside of Raccoon City, so like. What's going on with these underworld werewolves? Like he would probably do it. He's kind of like Lynn Wiseman in a way. Well, and think about how amazing that would be. Kate Beckinsale versus uh, uh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Like I don't mm. know if they'd be fighting or if they join mm. forces, but maybe I don't know. Someone will watch I it. it. 
<laughs> yeah, I would. I, I'm there. I'm right. sold because I love both those actresses. That's what uh, throws me off about it, is like I, I think I think he has a lot of artistic merit, but I think he does. Um, he deal. He does movies easy don't have movies. a lot of plot. They don't have a lot of deep characterization <laughs> yeah. or deep themes. But I don't think that's mm-hmm. what he's going for. I think he is working with archetypes and tropes. But he's an doing artistic it, uh, popcorn. Yeah. I said I think he's uh yeah he's a Stephen Summers type. Remember him from Deep Rising and Mummy, you know. He's just yeah, a little bit. I think I think he's a he's a European filmmaker. I think um, <laughs> no, it, obviously he's not. It, this is ridiculous, but uh, he's not uh, Paul Verhoeven or whatever. But he's right. Uh, he's bringing that sensibility that I think he doesn't um, have satire. But it would be wild when you see a comedy or a mystery movie. He does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the thing. I think. Um, Arguably, his best movies are ones that he doesn't have sole writing credit on, which I think is like, you know, Death Race and uh, even Three Musketeers, you know, so yeah. maybe maybe have another screenwriter take a take a couple stabs at it and might be beneficial for some of it. But I, I like uh, like, for example, some of the Resident Evil sequels. I like how um, stripped down they are. You know, it is very that's where I get the Carpenter vibes, too, where he's like, yeah, he's interested in um, working with the. Uh, with the uh, uh, you know standard movies and storylines, but he's doing it in like a, a very lean and mean manner, uh, and adding visual flair to I it. I like it. Yeah, definitely yeah. lean and mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you got coming up on your show? Oh, what do we have coming up on our show, Josh? <laughs> well, <At> the video <laughs> store. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, our podcast is Video Dropbox, and one of the things that we often do is challenge each other in each episode to pick like a unique section of their video store, quote unquote, um, which is half the fun because we battle each other and just kind of say like trying (laughs) to find the most obscure, weirdest like genres that we can think of. But um, right now we're currently recording episodes for Halloween so we can release some of our favorite because Joe and I usually we're big horror fans. So we take pretty much the whole entire month of October to dedicated. (laughs) <laughs> weekly yeah weekly yeah. podcasts your favorite we, scream we, queen your favorite slasher yeah like we could make our podcast all horror if we wanted to we're that big fan but like no yeah. let's let's try to like separate it a little bit and then just <laughs> need go a crazy in october <laughs> so yeah i'm a huge i don't know how you are but i'm a huge um physical collector still totally. a physical media collector <laughs> yeah so i have a huge collection and this is kind of one of the brain um, child of during the pandemic was me thinking like, what's a good way of like basically trying to watch a lot of these films that I've bought that some are like in pack four packs and stuff that I haven't seen. Right. And so and you Joe don't want to just watch out of boredom. You actually want to share your thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Or share films that I've watched with other people. And so Joe and I have similar tastes, but also like differences enough where we've gotten down like what each of us kind of will vibe with or hopefully like, I mean, the horror one is always a gamble because we each try to do one episode of a film that neither of us have seen. And then one we have that we really, (laughs) so it could go either way with our first summer roulette. Yeah. But yeah, we've been lucky so far. Yeah, really. We have stellar. I look forward to it. Keep plugging it on Insta. I'll be there. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you again for having us Anytime, on. man. It was a party. <laughs> Are you busy on some other movies, or can you not say at this point? <laughs> um, do you want to plug in? 
<laughs> the line always to say is like I, I got multiple projects in various stages of development. I'm writing and yeah, I, I'm gonna make another movie uh, someday. Um it's just uh I hope so man. Uh, in, Cause I, I kid you not, dude. Like uh I think it was I met it with some college film but buddies of mine. Uh we were just getting together after college and uh he my pal Weldon had also seen 420 Massacre and he's like, wait, you saw it too? <laughs> like, of course I did. It's a fun premise. I saw it back to back with another Bigfoot movie called Primal Rage that came out the same year. And it's like, see, 2018 nice. is a wild year for video on demand and festival movies because it's like they were all trying their own thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, you never know what things will. I'm glad uh, you got to be part of the circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you never. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I enjoy that people uh, keep discovering the movie. It's one of those titles that will always get the clicks. That was kind of the design of it, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm writing different things. It's just a matter of um, finding the right type of project and getting the money together. And yeah, you know, I got the uh, money is always a bitch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I would like to do something for a little bit more money, have a name in there, you know, a little bit more right? action and bells and whistles, but you know, if I've got to make uh, something in, in a, in a Pull forest or a house, <laughs> you know, if I gotta do one of those, Max two, out your right? credit card. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's. Yeah, I had, I had a lot of fun, and I'm yeah. glad that I could do um, justice for Resident Evil. <laughs> something a one through six. Yeah. yeah, and like everything, give it enough time. Something, something way worse will always come out, and people. Yeah, will forget John about Wu all these and other... Spielberg have a movie they're not proud of. You know, it's... yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well. Glad we blew the roof off of here. <laughs> Justice for Paul W. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. He's our favorite Paul Anderson. That's right. I said it. <laughs> suck it, Wes. Suck it, Paul. Other Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. I'll see you on the other side, and I'll keep updating you when this hits. Thank you. Anytime. And you're welcome back anytime. Any other topics you want to do? Let's hit it. <laughs> Great. Awesome. Godspeed. Thank you. follow us on the web on facebook twitter and instagram the podcast is available on podbean spotify iHeartRadio, anchor apple and anywhere else podcasts are available feel free to review our show and leave comments on any of those sites thanks a million for listening it's a jacked up